All right, we get it rolling on the Krug Show. Hope everybody's having a great day. It is Tuesday, January the 30th. The 49ers are getting ready to go to Vegas for the Super Bowl, amazingly enough. And we're getting ready to do another edition of the Krug Show on a Tuesday night. Vish Kumaran in the house. Uh, we're brought to you by Pig and a Pickle, the best barbecue in all of Northern California. Check them out in Emeryville and Corte Madera. Also brought to you by Marin Auto Glass. MarinAutoGlass.com, 415-883-3030. And Underdog Fantasy. Put the link in the description, or the link is in the description. Uh, click it, I should say, and uh, use the promo code KRUG, K-R-U-E-G, and they will match you up to your first $100. Vish, how are you, man? Haven't talked to you since the NFC title game. Whew, that one was, oh, my God. I I, years, I, I think, felt like I lost a year or two on my life watching that thing. I almost got completely irate at a guy in the press box who just kept talking and talking and talking. And this guy was like in mid-first quarter. He's like, well, I guess we won't, we're none of, none of us are going to Vegas. And, oh, my God, dude, I was just getting so so pissed um but i didn't do anything to him i didn't hurt him um and i sat there and i watched and then the niners came back and it was an ugly first half and i didn't expect i was going to be that kind of a second half but they came all the way back thank you to dan campbell for the assist and uh, niners chiefs in the bowl for the fourth second time in the last four years what did you think of the nfc championship game yeah, I'll say something different because I think the talking points about the NFC Championship game has been pretty much the same from everybody. I was blown away by the Niners' poise um, in the NFC Championship game, and here's why. There's an angle to this game that I think that there's complete that's very different, and it's the pressure um, part of the NFC Championship game. Krug, I, I know that the Lions kind of choked a little bit. Like, a lot of key moments they screwed up. But I, I think that they were playing with house money this entire game, right? Their season was looked at as a success. Either way. Pretty much regardless of what happened in that game. And if they won that game, it was like, oh, my God, you exceeded our expectations beyond even anything we could have imagined. And if they lost that game, you still exceeded our expectations beyond anything we could have imagined. For the Niners, if they had lost that game and they had lost that game to the Lions at home, we would have all come on and done a Monday show. We'd be doing this Tuesday show talking about their season like a failure. And then they were down 24 to seven at halftime in home. And they had to look at themselves facing basically people calling their season, the difference between a success and a failure, despite the fact that they did all of these great things and made the NFC championship game. And they ran down the lines in half a quarter. One of the most impressive things, the way they handled themselves, the way they handled their poise. I thought that that's, Something a little bit different to start our show. What do you think? I I totally agree with you. I I kind of said it. Um, I'm not sure if I said it to you guys, but I definitely said it going into the week that the Niners were only going to be happy with a win. The Lions were going to be happy with a win or a loss. I'd much rather have the edge of the devastation or elation. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I just think I think there's something really powerful to that, but. Um, I also just, my other takeaway on it was the one that I had with you guys, uh, going into it and why I picked the Niners. I really believe that Detroit is like the 84 bears, you know, they the one early. year before 85, I think if Detroit has a good draft, um, and I love their GM and the job that they've done, 
if they have one more draft like that, add another player or two up front, uh, another maybe corner. two or three players on the back end. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be a monster because Panay Sewell and Decker and Ragnow are the makings of a dominant O-line. Right. Two great backs. Either. Yeah, two great backs. Uh, the Bears never should have let Montgomery get out. And then Gibbs is terrific. Laporta, Amon Ra, those guys are absolutely top shelf. So I just think that Detroit's coming, man. Detroit is really coming. Green Bay is too, but man, Detroit has got, you know, I don't know. Some people say Green Bay is further along because they have Jordan Love and he's special and golf is not as special. But I kind of look at Detroit further along because their core of guys who'd handle the ball outside of golf are like the best. Like, I don't know that there's too many receivers or tight ends or running backs better than the guys that they got. Yeah. And Jamison Williams is starting to show glimpses of what we thought he could be before that draft. They have a lot of talent. I still think that they're missing a couple of things before they become the elite of the elite. And Krug, I did, I did think they lost their poison that game, right? Josh Reynolds dropping a big third down. Jameer Gibbs going the wrong way on a run play and then fumbling. Jameer Gibbs falling down on third and goal, which was the difference between them kicking a field goal or going scoring a touchdown to go up 28 to 7. These are all little detail mistakes that they made in this game because they're a young team. Um, I think they need a couple of veteran players. I think they need a couple of corners for sure. Um, I also think that Krug, they need a bread and butter solution when a team has got that kind of momentum for the against them, right? Like when the 49ers have those kinds of issues, and I think this is where there's a difference, right? They have a stabilizing force in Christian McCaffrey. They have a place to go when things go wrong. When things went wrong for the Lions, like these weapons that we thought think are very talented and very excellent, not that one guy, whether it was Gibbs who was crude that first half, Gibbs was looking like young Barry Sanders. And I, I say that somewhat facetiously, but he was looking untouchable. The Niners were having issues with his speed, his patience, his vision. Everything was just on point. And Amon Ross St. Brown has been a terrific player. But when things got difficult for them, when the Niners were finding their stride and they came back into that football game, they needed somebody to go to with the ball that was going to make one or two plays for them. And for the Niners, right, we said Christian McCaffrey is the stabilizing force, but Debo steps up a lot in those kinds of moments. And Purdy himself, each time there's been an opportunity to do that in the playoffs, have stepped up with either his arm or his legs in this game. I think that's what the Lions were missing. I don't know if somebody emerges to being that guy, like you said, or I don't know if they need to go find that guy in addition to what they have. They definitely have the makings to be a juggernaut, but man, things are so fickle in the NFL. And I know Jared Goff played really well this year and they protected him really well this year, but a couple injuries here, a couple injuries there, and I'm still a Goff hater. And I still feel like there's a very defined ceiling to Jared Goff that makes it very difficult on your season because you need other variables that have nothing to do with him to be intact in order to succeed with him. So that's the one maybe cause for pause I'll put on the lines, but you're right. Everything looks like they're trending in a direction to be great. Remember if they how, have one more DM. That young Jacksonville team was like with they had Bortles, who's not nowhere near as good as Goff. Yeah. How many young players and then how quickly it fell off for Miles Jack and Telvin oh, I know. Smith and Yannick Ngakwe yeah. and yeah, Telvin Smith. That, talk about a guy who just fell off the planet, like like at age twenty seven, right or twenty eight. Right, right. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't even old. Um, 
I just look at the Lions. If they get, they need a couple corners. They need probably one really good linebacker. They could use one really dangerous guy opposite Aiden Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. And if they just get that, I like what they are offensively. I really like them. I thought Campbell, who's normally very kind of positive, I thought he was somewhat dour and kind of a downer in their postgame presser. Like, we may never get back here. It's right. Like, what? What? I mean, how about that? Just that's just too. That's that's ridiculous. I mean, you literally have you just draft in one year. You added Shamir Gibbs, Aiden Hutchinson, Brian Branch, and Hutchinson was the year before. Or so who was the four rookies this year? They it was Laporta, Laporta Gibbs, um, Shamir Gibbs, Jack Branch, Campbell, and Brian Jack Branch. Campbell. Yeah, I mean, you added just four really, really good players. Campbell, I think, is just pretty good, but three really great Campbell players. Campbell has talent, though. He definitely does, and he's yeah. and he's going to start for you know a number of years. He's going to be a good contributor. But I'm just saying, if you just have a good draft and address your needs, man, I love Detroit this year, next year. Now, the question is golf. Mm-hmm. Can you do it? And this is a question, and this is not necessarily my question to you about golf. It's more of an overarching question about players like golf. Can you win the Super Bowl with quarterbacks that have zero movement ability? As fast as everybody is on defense these days, and now you're getting blitzed and and rushed and sacked by every year, it seems like D-tackles and DNs account for a smaller percentage of the sack pie. And DBs, you know, safeties and corners are being set at the quarterback at a higher rate. And I just think that it's put a real premium on movement ability in and out of the pocket. What do you think? I mean, Mahomes can move. He's not a sprinter, but he can move. Purdy's got movement ability. Um, And it seems like most of the top tier guys, maybe not Burrow, but even he moves okay. No, he. But his pocket movement, his athleticism to avoid, you know, a pass rusher taking sacks is basically the equivalent of a mobile guy. Wouldn't you agree? There. Yeah, I mean, he's I, I some just bad O lines pretty far. I just, I'm so enamored with the way he played in that game at Levi's this year, Vish. I thought he was, right. I thought he was awesome. But I mean, I, can you be a statue? Can could Dan Marino win a Super? He never won a Super Bowl in his era, but could could a <laughs> Could a non-mobile, like a, if you have zero mobility, like a golf, can you win a Super Bowl? I still think you can because I think golf's only issue isn't that he just has zero mobility. I think he also just doesn't handle people around him as well as you would want, right? Like Purdy is mobile. He has the ability to escape. He has the ability to create off schedule, but he also has this unflappable toughness to stand and fearlessness to stand in there with people around him and still attempt to throw the football down the field. And I'm not calling Jared Goff not tough, but he's not one of those guys who's very comfortable just having the blinders on. And there's a guy near my feet. There's a guy near my arm. There's a guy swatting the ball around me. And I just got to stand there really tall and really strong and deliver the ball down the field. He's gotten better at that since he was with the Rams, but he hasn't totally um, become excellent at that. So I do think that there is an element of if you put an uber-talented team around a pocket guy and he's able to play at that extremely high level, right? Matthew Stafford is the example. Just a couple years ago, you can still win with the pure pocket guy. I just think 
with how offensive lines go right, the Lions offensive line was such a strength. And then Ragnow came into this game with every part of his body on the injury report. And Jonah yeah. Jackson didn't play in this game. And Panay Sewell and Taylor Decker have had long, physical, grinding out seasons. The attrition just catches up to those big guys. Even the Chiefs have dealt with so many offensive line injuries, even though their line starts playing better down this parts of the season. And just having a quarterback, it's not just Krug the mobility because you know you can be like Justin Fields where you're very athletic and very mobile, but you don't have that sixth sense to avoid sacks and create not, you know, accumulate negative plays because negative plays mean even more in the playoffs than they do mean in the regular season. So you do need the mobility combined with that sixth sense and maturity like a, a Purdy played with, or even a Jordan Love. That Purdy Jordan Love game, I thought both guys. Everybody looked at it and said both defensive lines didn't play well. And I was impressed because I thought both guys under constant and consistent pressure and people around them took only one sack. Like for two young quarterbacks in that game, I thought that that was mighty impressive between the both of them. So all in all, I do think you can with a, win with a pocket quarterback. He just has to be a high-level guy in terms of being able to deal with people around him. And Stafford was able to do that. It's, it's just hard to beat Mahomes in this era. It's just hard when there's just that guy at the end, right? The Rams kind of lucked into the fact that Cincinnati knocked him out because I don't think the Rams would have beaten that Chiefs team. Who did you have in the AFC title game? Refresh me. I had Baltimore, but I said from the beginning that I'm picking Baltimore with my heart because I really thought the Niners could beat Baltimore. Like, I thought if I looked at that matchup again and you tell me that game, like, because a lot of people look at that game and say Baltimore blew him out. I look at that game and say the turnover discrepancy was five to zero and it was closer than anybody even thinks it was. So I oh, really yeah. thought oh, the Niners, Niners should get him right yeah. back. Oh, I did and, too. And the chief, the chiefs on the other hand is just a scary matchup because I think there's certain schematic things about the Niners defense that they exploited last time. And that was versus D'Amico Ryan's and a better Niners defense. Of course you had Jimmy Ward returning immediately from injury and stuff in that game. I think there's a couple of clear weaknesses in this Niners defense that wasn't there, for example, in 2019, particularly one of the safeties who's quite young in Jair Brown. And I think they can take advantage of him. And then of course, Ambry Thomas, who's, confidence has been up and down this season though he's played well when he's confident there's so many things about the Chiefs that scare me a lot more the Ravens I would have been confident Krug now I granted I've been confident the entire playoffs and the Niners have been putting me through the ringer graying my hair and making me lose my hair but I I would have been confident versus the Ravens I think Jesse went Ravens too last Thursday because yeah, yeah. I, I remember him saying, you know, me and Jesse who said Ravens and you said Chiefs and you pretty much Chiefs. picked the game as it was, right? You said the Chiefs defense would hold on. They, they, they kind of shook Lamar. Spags got in Lamar's head. He was shook in that game. Now the game plan was whack, but they shook Lamar. And then, well, yeah, that's the question. Is it, was it Lamar or was it Munkin? You, you saw Rex Ryan on ESPN. He crushed Todd Munkin. And, and I mean, they had 37 passes and 16 runs. Their running backs had a total of six carries, right? Three Gus Edwards carries. How do you, how, you're a running team. And I, and I, I knew that with, with Nick Bolton, there was no way Lamar was going to rumble for a hundred. And this like is he did the week before. Crew, crew. So that was, this is that was no really gay, no Derek Nottie. They're big run stuffing defensive tackle. He's out for the season. Buffalo just mauled them. Buffalo's interior offensive line was creating push. They ran the ball really well with James Cook and Josh Allen the week before. Excuse me. 
And you would think the Ravens would go right there. They would use the size of Linderbaum, their interior offensive line, and kind of run over the smaller Chiefs who are missing Willie Gay, who's a terrific linebacker, very fast sideline to sideline, and then Nadi, who's a big-time run stuffer, and instead they dropped them back. Now, your question, I think, was who do I blame, Monkin or Lamar? I mean, I blame Monkin for the game plan, but I'm not going to excuse Lamar Jackson for the fact that they put the ball in the hands of an MVP quarterback, and he didn't have a terrible game. But they put the game in his hands. He had opportunities to make plays in this game, and he didn't make them. They can point to the ref. They can point to this. He was also rattled by Spags a lot. There were a lot of negative plays that were almost negative plays. He didn't look his usual poise, complete, and control self, right? Like you he got sacked four, sacked four times. Right, and it could have been a host more times. And some of those almost sacks that he was throwing away were scary plays. Like you contrasted to the Niners game, Krug. In the Niners game, he was kind of shaky early, but as an athlete, he felt even keel and poised and in control the entire time. Even though he made plays yesterday, like the Zay Flowers touchdown was an awesome play. The catch to himself was an awesome play. He looked rattled. Spags spooked him. And that's, I mean, if we're going to then move on to the Super Bowl, Purdy, the one thing we haven't seen him really happen, even in all of these games, and I think that's why they've been able to come back, is he keeps his poise just so calm. Drive in and drive out. And it's the thing Logan Ryan said on the herd yesterday about how, you know, when he threw those interceptions versus Baltimore, it didn't shake him from the next possession, just coming out and being as aggressive as he didn't throw those zero interceptions. The thing with Spags and the thing that's made the Chiefs so difficult playing them with Spags is while they haven't had the most talented, uh, talented defenses, they're able to take their defenses to points in games when he's able to kind of, you know, dictate terms to you, right? You're up three and he's able to dictate whether you run or throw by scaring you with certain blitzes and certain fronts. And situationally, they've always been an excellent defense with Spags at getting key stops, putting the ball back in their offense's hands and allowing their offense to win games. To me, the interesting thing is here's Spags who rattled, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson a bit. Josh Allen was a little spooked in that last drive. Now Diggs dropped that pass. But right after he dropped that 69-yard bomb, Josh Allen almost threw a pick six to McDuffie, who dropped it. So he spooked him a little bit. He definitely spooked Tua. The question is Purdy, who's been so unflappable for the last year and a half, will he get spooked a little bit by Spags? What do you think? Well, I mean, you know, I, I don't know if Spags is some awesome defensive coordinator or not. I mean, he's mm -hmm. been around the league. I mean, he's he's had some good moments. He's had some bad moments. But he's got, you know, th this was just this Ravens chief game was just, you know, once again, another example of how vital turnovers really are, because, I mean, Kansas City was plus three on the turnover margin, and that's probably why they won the game. I mean, Kansas City possessed the ball for over 37 right. minutes, right. only 22 for Baltimore, and Baltimore obviously got fidgety also. You know, if Lamar is awesome, then shouldn't he have converted more than three of 11 on third down? He was not very good on third down. The other thing that's amazing to me is that Baltimore went for 5-9 per play, and Kansas City only had 4.4 yards per play. Kansas City didn't even run the ball well. They ran the ball uh, 32 times, but 2.8 a carry, where Baltimore ran for over five yards a carry. Uh, but, I mean... When you when you make eight penalties for nearly a hundred yards, you're minus three in turnovers. You get dominated time of possession wise. You, you know you ask a, you totally take away the run game 
of a team. I mean, Baltimore should have ran more. I mean, 30. I mean, it was 7-7 at the end of the first quarter. It was 17-7 at halftime. They they were down 10 points. But, I mean, they weren't down three touchdowns. Um, and to me, to, to go to only have 16 runs and 37 passes when you're when you're the number one rushing attack in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought I thought my my argument to you and Jesse of why I thought um, Baltimore would lose the game was was didn't even work out. I said I thought Legarius Sneed would shut down Zay Flowers mm-hmm. and instead Flowers. Had five had catches for 115, 100, He got into the end zone. He had a he had a bad penalty, but um, you know, just to me, it's turnovers, penalties. Cl- Chiefs played a cleaner game. Uh, che- you know, Mahomes is incredibly resourceful. What's thirty of thirty nine? I mean, that's a really high percentage, right? And only two sacks. And you know, they didn't have Joe Tooney, who was the best player on their offensive line this year. Right, Matt Abuke and Michael Pierce have played very well for Baltimore. I didn't feel like Matabuke or Michael Pierce really impacted Mahomes enough to change that football game, though their defense played very well in the second half. So like you said, a lot of things that we expected from that game didn't even happen. And even though Kansas City didn't like run up the table on them, though I thought there was at a there was a point in the game when they went for it on a fourth down where I thought first one, Andy Reid could have challenged it because to me, Kelsey got that first down. Um, but then two on fourth and one, they probably should have kicked it with Butker, who's as good as anybody not named Justin Tucker um, and taken a 17, seven lead. I think it would have been at that point, like it would have felt like, you know, the uh, it would have felt like the drain has broken for the chief or for the Ravens at that point to be down 17, seven at home. I think they would have been shell shocked with how easy the chiefs were making it look, but it's just how smooth they are playing ahead. They felt in control that entire game, even at one score, right? It never felt like Baltimore was just one score away. It felt like Kansas City was always ahead of the game. Mahomes was always in control. And it's interesting to me that they're so reliant on winning this gritty style of game right now, because I think that a lot of people look at them and say, oh, they're back. I don't think they're back, Krug. I think they're just playing the one style of football that their team is suited to win at. And they have a quarterback that's so special that they're able to execute playing that one style. And I think it's interesting for the 49ers. I think you're, told, I think you're so right. I mean, I, I think you're so right. They When they played the Niners last time four years ago, mm-hmm. there was this vibe, Vish, of we don't know where the ball's going. Right. Now with Kansas City, you know exactly where the ball's going. Mm-hmm. They're going to hand it to Pacheco. And he only went for two A to carry in this game against Baltimore. They're going to throw it. One of the things I've noticed that they've done, let's say, in the last month, is that they've just kind of acknowledged internally we can't dev- we can't rely on MVS. We right. can't no rely Sky on Moore. Watson. No Tony. No Sky Moore. No Tony. <laughs> no, Noah Gray. I mean, the only guys they even go to are Kelsey, Rasheed and Rice, Rice, and hand it to Pacheco. We right. we pretty much know what they're going to do. And it's just more about, can they execute to those guys? And, right. that, so, and then they're situationally excellent, right? Like every right. turning point moment in the game, they get ahead at those points and doing that and that both of those things gives them such an advantage. And it's such a difference, right? Because four years ago, coming into the game, they were the comeback like kids, right? They went down 24 zero to Houston at home by the second quarter. They had already come back. 
in that game. It took one Mecole Hardman big return, but that was Tyreek Hill. That was Mahomes. That was Kelsey. They went down to Tennessee in the NFC cha- AFC championship game. They came back on them, right? They went down to the Niners. They came back on them. This team, even though it has Mahomes, and you would think Mahomes, they're equipped to come back on anybody, it's not really like that. They want to play from ahead where they can control the game with their offense, run it through probably their best offensive player, not named Mahomes or Kelsey, which is Pacheco. They'll wear you down with him. They have an excellent interior offensive line. Trey Smith is a mauler. Um, yep. Creed Humphrey's a stud. Tooney was their best offensive lineman this year. Let's see if he plays. The other my thing, buddy, my buddy though play. filled in for him. My you know my good buddy Nick Allegretti, who I've had on on good. before. He's been in their system for years. He's a former right. wrestler from the University of Illinois. Um, and he's just been a really solid backup for them, and they keep re-signing him. They plugged him in, him in for Joe Tooney at left guard, and you're right, Vish. When they wanted to, they gave it to uh, Pacheco going straight ahead through the A-gaps, Creed and Allegretti, Creed and Trey Smith, combo blocking, and well, that's their bread and butter. Like, if they get in the goal line, they, they, they just run up the A-gaps. Yep. Absolutely. And the other thing is they have bad tackles, Krug. They had an issue protecting Mahomes all year because Juwan Taylor and Donovan Smith both really struggled. So this is not a team equipped to come back, right? They want to get ahead of you. They want their defense to grind it out. They're the antithesis of every Andy Reid team we've ever seen before this. They're looking to run the ball. They're looking to stay balanced. They're looking for their quarterback to just put the cape on three or four times in a game and their defense to be excellent. And that's how they want to win. The team four years ago, didn't care where the game went or where it got because they just needed one moment to get hot. And if they got hot, they could score 30 on anybody, anytime, anywhere, any quarter. And they kind of did that to win the Super Bowl. So it's a very different game because the 49ers are more comfortable winning a lot more different styles of football games in this particular matchup than they were in the 2019 matchup. To me, it's going to come down to can the Niners do what they've done every game this season besides the three-game losing streak and besides the two playoff games, which is start fast. Because I think if they can put the Chiefs on the back foot, because if you can see the Chiefs come out in these games where it's almost like their script is so locked in because they understand that when they have the schematic advantage of Andy Reid scheming up their script, they got to get points on the board because they don't have enough offensive talent in the middle of the game when it starts to get real grinded out to be able to generate big plays. So they need to get ahead with their script then allow Mahomes to have the scoreboard to be able to play from ahead and play comfortably and allow their defense to win them the game. The Niners can get out on them early if they can punch them in the mouth right away with an early drive and early lead, put their defense on the back foot. I think you can put it into a style of game that the Kansas City Chiefs in 2023 and 24 are not equipped to win. Like, I don't think their issues, Krug, with their weapons, all of that have gone away. I think they've just decided to play a style of football that's the only way they can win, and they're so talented, they're so well-coached, and they have such a supremely good quarterback that they've been able to win that way. Um, I think it's a great opportunity for the Niners if they're able to get on them early. Because I, don't I think totally yeah. agree. I'm so with you. I, I, I think you've handicapped this thing absolutely to perfection, and I'm not just saying that. Uh, I really think you got this one because the Niners, if they can get a lead – now. It's all about the lead, because if you don't get a lead, mm-hmm. here comes Jones. Here right. comes Karloftis. Jones here is going to be back. Is, now he's able to mix things up on you. He's able Delay, to play. Yeah, right? delayed blitzes. And, 
you know, um, Legarius Sneed's a really good cover guy, but Edwards has a great nose for the ball. McDuffie's a good cover guy. I mean, they they can cover your receivers up, and Jones can bat down passes, and Carl Loftus can sack the quarterback. I do think, though, if Willie Gay – what's Willie Gay's injury again? He's got neck spasms. So I – I okay, when I see neck is spasms, he gonna go? I'm He's not going to lie, I see next – he is really fast for Mississippi State, right? Yeah. Um, I, when I see neck spasms, I'm not going to lie, and this is, you know, kind of bad of me, but I see neck spasms usually, and I'm like, oh, he's going to play. That's just, you know, he's That's been dealing nothing. with some soreness. He's going to play. So I was really surprised that he didn't play the AFC championship game. I'm going to just come out and say just because there's a two weeks and thing and it's a Super Bowl, like, he's going to play. But I I can't be sure since he didn't play the AFC championship game. And his what about, speed with what about, Bolton oh, does add a, to their defense a lot. Oh, totally. They're yeah. so fast on that second level because they both run exceptionally well. We saw it in the game at twenty in twenty two at at Levi's. I mean, mm-hmm. those guys just owned the second level. Now, what's the deal with Kadarius Tony? Is he just they don't trust him because he they said he's hurt. He said I'm not hurt. It's almost like they don't trust him. They don't want to use him, but they don't want to tell him that. So they told him, "Hey, we'll just say you're hurt." He's making things worse. Because he's now saying I'm not hurt. Do you expect him to to be inactive in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I do. You do. Yeah, that's another guy that because you know, it's it's what you said, right? You you nailed it just two minutes ago. They've said screw all this experimenting with these guys. We're gonna go with what's reliable. Right. They are doing everything to just win the game. They're done doing the trying this guy, trying this on offense. They're just doing whatever they can to win with this team. And right now, winning with this team includes Mahomes kind of playing a game manager, dare I say, game managerish style. He's just just he's managing the game at such a high level. It's Kelsey being Kelsey in the playoffs, just moving the chains, constantly getting open. It's Rashi Rice giving them the occasional explosive play after the catch. And really, they're a downhill team, Krug. That's what it is. The strength of this team is, yes, their quarterback is superhuman, but it's the fact that they have this unbelievably physical runner who's grinds you out and hits you the entire game and they have a mauling interior offensive line. Yeah. Oh yeah. The interior is amazing. And then I just look at them and say, if you can cover Kelsey in the red zone, you can beat Kansas city. Agreed. And, and a is a major loss because a was was playing great. Oh, the Niners missed him so bad. Are you kidding? He had such a great year and he, and he had made a great play in this last game. Uh, I, I think that that is a major, major loss because they they don't if you look at the rest of their team, um, you know, their defensive front, Mike Dana, uh, the rookie Felix and Uzuma, BJ Thompson, Ma- Malik Herring. I mean, they were leaning on a Menahue to major to man a major role on their on the defensive outside, line. Yeah. yeah. And to not have him is a is I think a huge loss. All right, and look, Derek Nadi on the interior. Don't forget about him. They're a little smaller than they've been in years past on the interior. He's not even listed on here. Is, is he's he, on is, IR. He's on he's IR. On, oh, he's done. So he's done. Yeah, he's done, done. Yeah. And that's yeah. why, right, because wow. when, when, when's the last time you've looked at that Buffalo Chiefs matchup and seen the interior of Buffalo's offensive line generate consistent push? against the interior of the Chiefs defensive line, right? Like, never. In fact, the Chiefs defensive line with Frank Clark and Chris Jones, like, from the time Mahomes has gotten there, has been a very underrated strength 
of their oh, football team. That Colin really Saunders, right? right. And Colin right. Saunders. Colin Saunders, Derek Nadi. Yeah. All of these like very underrated good players. This year, it's not like that, Krug. Like, I think the Ravens really missed out. I don't know what it was. Now, I, I still don't give them a full excuse because they were still at home and they have an MVP quarterback and the ball was in his hands enough and he didn't make the plays that we usually expect him to make. And I say that as a big Lamar fan. But I, I just look at this matchup and I say that they're, they're into your defensive line this time, Krug. I think it can be exploited. I, I do too. I, I, I like this game for the Niners. I mean, oh, let me ask you this. There's a lot of people that are saying they're really surprised that the Niners are favored. Are you? I mean, I'll say this, Vish. The public, if I'm handicapping this right, is going to be all over Kansas City. Why? They just went into Buffalo and beat the Bills. Then they went into Baltimore and beat the Ravens. And maybe the two hottest teams in the AFC, right? And what did the Niners do? They struggled like crazy with Green Bay. Now, you and I know Green Bay's really on the up, up and coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, but a lot of people look at Green Bay's record and just go, ah, oh, they weren't very good. And then they're going to look at at Detroit's defense and go, Detroit's pass defense was not great. And the Niners barely beat the Lions at home. Mm-hmm. So, like, the Niners skated by, which is so weird because when they went to the Super Bowl last time against they, the Chiefs, they, were, they just. Oh, they were obliterating teams, yeah, right? They like, Minnesota came away. in. Minnesota came in after beating the Saints in the Superdome, and that was a good Saints team. And people were like, oh, my God, Minnesota might be the Niners. And the Niners basically out-hit Minnesota. It was a game where they just said we're bigger and more physical than you. And the Niners beat those teams bad, uh, Minnesota and Green Bay, and they rolled into the Super Bowl with all this momentum. Now, you people are a lot of people would look at those last two games and be like, man, the Niners didn't play well either game. They just survived. There'll be people that will just pick the Chiefs on the Mahomes factor. I think the public now, and I've talked to my buddies who are like big, you know, handicapping experts, guys. spread experts. And and I said, don't you think by game time, by kickoff, the Chiefs will be like a two point favorite? Um, and he said, no, no, I, I expect the 49ers to maybe go up from one to two or one and a half to two. Um, so that what do you make of that? That the 49ers, I mean, is it really what we've talked about, the frailties of the Chiefs roster that maybe haven't been exposed to this point? Um, Or is it maybe the public feels like, uh, or the people that set the lines feel like the Niners are due for one big bust-out game and it maybe comes in the Super Bowl? But, man, it's just on the last couple games, you would swear that the Chiefs would be favored. I think it's it's that last part of what you said, right? Like, People are expecting the Niners to burst out because, yes, we've seen the last four weeks, but we also saw the entire season. And the Niners were just this explosive juggernaut when they were beating teams. They much better, much teams. better they point differential. Just, they were just obliterating teams. They were putting it on them. And Kansas City, you know, is the same team that lost to the Raiders. In, I mean, now the Raiders turned out to be pretty good, but you know what I mean? Like, that was yeah. a key game for them, and they lost. They lost to Buffalo in a key they game. They lost like, to Detroit this, at home. Right, this, and that was an ugly game without Travis Kelsey. Like, there's a lot that hasn't looked good for Kansas City. Now, 
the reason I'm surprised is not because the Niners are favored, okay? I understand that. To me, Larry, this matchup, the Niners have more possible outcomes of this game that they can win. And what do I say by that? If we project that these five things happen in a game, like if we project all the different game scripts, I think there's more game scripts that are favorable to the 49ers because they have the better and more talented team than there are for the Chiefs. But I would have said the same thing about Baltimore and the Chiefs. Football games come down to that specific matchup and how it plays out in that game. And the thing with the Chiefs is, despite the fact that on paper, a lot of things favor the 49ers, They've shown this insane perfection in their execution the last three weeks to win pretty much the way they can win, as we've talked about, right? We just discussed all these frailties that they have, and yet we still look at them as such a formidable opponent that could easily win this game. And it's because they have such a great quarterback, such a great coach, and they're able to execute so well. But I'm not surprised that, you know, a lot of people look at it and say the 49ers are the better team because they are. It just... It's difficult to play the Chiefs on a given Sunday with two weeks to prepare just because of how perfect they can play at times and how perfect Mahomes can be. It's hard when the guy just doesn't make a mistake, right? Like And Reed is so good. Reed's so good with that extra week. Oh man. I mean, you know, his buy record is incredible. And and it scares you, you right? It scares you because here's the one thing I will say that's a little bit. Niners have never beaten Mahomes. Right. Here's the one thing I'll say that didn't it's a little bit different. I thought he cracked the code a year ago when these two teams played like they had the Niners defense all out of place, right? They kind of just ran them up and down the field with all kinds of misdirection, variable snaps. They had the Niners defensive line going this way, this way, reverse end around here this year. Like it was the Andy Reed show in that game. Krug, I thought in that first half, Wilkes made some key adjustments, but I thought in the first half to the Niners quarters coverage and the Niners coverage, Ben Johnson and the Detroit Lions were doing the same thing in the sense that Jameson Williams was coming this way. They just got him on an end around big play. Jameer Gibbs, they didn't know when he was getting the ball. Looked just like untouchable. It looked like they had cracked a code. And what I fear is I think there's two weaknesses to this 49ers defense that hasn't been there in the past. The young safety and then Ambry Thomas, you know, depending on his confidence. And what scares me in this matchup to the Chiefs' advantage is you give Andy Reid two weeks, despite the talent discrepancy, he might just be able to scheme up this game to the point that they're going to put Ambry Thomas in the blender for the entire game, or they're going to put Jair Brown in difficult situations as a young player playing in the Super Bowl, where they're going to test him and challenge him and put him in tough spots with his eyes. That scares me a little bit just because, Hey, that NFC Championship game, yeah, it was an epic comeback. Yeah, Brock Purdy was awesome in the second half. Yeah, he bailed the 49ers a lot with plays with his legs. And yeah, I thought the Niners' defense made some stops when it counted. But I also think that the Lions' offense choked where, you know, key third down, Josh Reynolds drops a crosser. Key fourth down, Josh Reynolds drops a pass. You know, Jameer Gibbs falls in the red zone. I- I'm scared that they're, they're, that this defense might just have a code that's cracked. Like, it just only might be able to do so much. And do, only being able to do so much against that quarterback and that head coach with time to prepare is scary. Yeah, no question. Um, okay, there is a report out, and I don't know if it's legit or bogus, mm-hmm. but I'm going to throw it up anyway here and let you tell me what you think. All right, let's see. This, is, this is from 49ers and NFL News 24-7. So mm-hmm. consider the source. I don't know that they're a good source. I don't know that they're not. Mm-hmm. But they, And I've seen this. Chase Young played poorly in the first half, but it wasn't only him. He actually tightened up 
played his gap strongly, finished the game strong in the second half. But he's reading there are rumors that Chase Young will be benched to start the Super Bowl and that a lot of Niner people feel like he's been loafing and that he's not playing hard. I thought he played pretty well in this last game. I did, too. You know, I, I thought he dialed it up and had a couple of nice plays. What what's your vibe there? Do you do you think that report is bogus or do you think it's legitimate that the Niners maybe are internally not happy with Chase and they they may I mean, first of all, how do you bench a guy when you have to play a rotation anyway and you're down you only have so many guys? I mean, it's not like you can it's not like they've got some arsenal of nineteen different DNs they can go right. to. Right. Um, you know, so even if you didn't play him as much, um, you know, we're only he's still got to play. I mean, there's just no question he's got to play. It's not like an offensive lineman. What do you think? What What do you make of that report that said that they're, you know, at their wits end with Chase and may bench him? Yeah, one, I'm surprised that there's been so much Chase Young backlash after this specific game. And I mentioned it yesterday or yeah, yesterday when I was on with Rob that I actually thought, you know, he made a couple of plays in this game. There's been other games. That's the funny thing, Krug. There's been other games where I've had this reaction, like this viral reaction to Chase Young. I've had it about other games when nobody's really cared about how he's played. Like this one, I genuinely didn't think was as bad as it's made out to be. Like, I think he's played worse, but clearly there's this kind of reaction about him being benched, I think you nailed it. They're in a rotation. It's not like he's playing a crazy amount of snaps to begin with anyway. And it's not like they're getting that much out of Randy Gregory. The secret to all of this is or anybody guy, else. I was, right. The guy I was low on Krug, the guy you, you and I were like, this guy never looked like the fourth overall pick. What does he really bring in all of that? But guess what Cleveland Furl brings? He brings toughness. He brings yeah. gap integrity. He brings strength in the run game. They actually miss him. And he motor, guy, his right. motor just churns. Right, his toughness, his motor, his competitiveness, they miss that. If you look at the backup interior guys, the Givens, the Kinlaw, it feels like they're playing well because it feels like they're playing so hard. And I can't question whether Chase Young is playing his hardest. I can't question whether Randy Gregory is playing his hardest because I don't know that. But I do think visually we're not getting the feeling from our TV screens that either of them are doing that. And that's what I think it's really missing. And I, I feel bad because I feel like then criticism really just goes to uh, Nick Bosa. And I feel like Nick Bosa in these playoffs, Krug has taken it up a notch. I think he's been truly excellent. I, I, I'm. It's just disappointing that the rest of the Niners' D line hasn't lived up. But I, I don't see the benching of Chase Young. You know, it is interesting though. I asked, or I'm not sure if I asked Bosa or somebody else asked Bosa, but Bosa addressed Chase Young going into this last game, and he said mm -hmm. he, his line was, "Yeah, he's got the ability, and we really need to see it from him." And then he went on to say, "He needs to win his one on ones." So in other words, if they if they slide the protection towards me and I get doubled, he's got to win his one on ones. That you know, for Nick, that's critical. I right. haven't heard Nick be ever critical of any especially of his teammates. Especially a D lineman. Especially yeah. a D lineman. He's very uplifting of the D lineman. Very uplifting. And, he's and not crew, negative. Crew, that was as close as I've never heard to negative. This is a matchup. You look at Juwan Taylor, you look at Donovan Smith, Chase Lee Young should be licking his lips. Oh, I know. In fact, I, I tweeted this earlier um, today, um, and this is what I put out there. And I did a video on it as well. Some people said I'm making too many videos lately, but I did make a video on this. <laughs> one person. I, one person. Yeah, one guy. One guy in the <laughs> chat said I make too many, too many videos. But the videos are kicking ass. That's why I make so many. 
Um, okay, so this is what I tweeted earlier today. I said the two key 49ers in Super Bowl 58 will be Nick Bosa and Javon Kinlaw. I said Bosa should absolutely own Jawan Taylor, who led the NFL this year with 20 penalties. And to put that in perspective, that's seven more penalties than any other player in the in the league had. So, like, second most penalties was 13. This guy had 20, Jawan Taylor. So I, I think Bosa should dominate Jawan Taylor. I think whoever's at the other end spot's probably going to have a good job to, Donovan, to dominate Donovan Smith. Mm-hmm. And then I said Kinlaw is the Niners' uh, defensive tackle who has the best chance to occupy Kansas City's interior O-line. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a little bit of football esoteric. So if I lose people, I apologize. But what we what we see esoteric. with the Chiefs is 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 the the interior of their offensive line kind of like what we saw in this last game with the Lions the interior of their offensive line and also with uh, Green Bay they climbed to that second level they picked off Greenlaw and Warner and what it turned out to be was Logan Ryan and Tayshawn Gibson trying to stop Aaron Jones or or the Niners se- secondary trying to stop David Montgomery Montgomery went from a 7 yards a carry and I thought the biggest gift of the NFC title game was that they only ran Montgomery 15 times. He'd had 33 carries earlier this year. You're in Chicago. You've seen the bears have many games where they ran him 25 times. So they only ran him 15 times. I thought that was a huge break, but the Niners in this matchup against Pacheco need to have their linebackers, you know, the, the green laws and the Warners have to be able to run free and hit. They're going to try to run Pacheco. We know they're going to run him inside from time to time to time because they got the great interior three. But at times, I think they're also going to do what Detroit did and what Green Bay did was run to the edges and cut back because if their linemen can get pick off a Greenlaw, pick off a Warner, and all you got to do is beat the night, you know, Gibson or or Ryan or in this case Jair Brown. Um, Isaiah Pacheco could have some cutback runs that go go to the house. I mean, this guy's got fair, four though, three speed. Fair, though he doesn't press the edge the same way a, J- a Jameer Gibbs or an Aaron Jones do, right? Like those guys are stylistically built for that Shanahan style, where they are very patient. They push the edge, they push the edge, and then find the cutback. Pacheco is more put his foot in the ground and just go. And he yeah. goes with speed and violence and power, but it's not it's not that he isn't patient. It's just a different style of running from right. those guys. I just think that they're gonna look at the Niner film and see that there's so much space mm-hmm. on the you know outside the tackle box that they may try to, you know, try to just kind of make the Niners blow up by running effectively inside and then running effectively outside, and then just basically turn this into a big Isaiah Pacheco game. Um, so to me, Kinlaw is that guy more so than Givens, much more so than Sebastian Joseph Day. He's the one D tackle they have more than Armstead, even you would say. Yeah, I mean, he's the guy. And by the way, when the game was over against Detroit, Armstead and Kinlaw had an extensive. I mean, I, I guys talk all the time in the locker room. But I mean, we we didn't get into the locker room for a long time. These guys were still in uniform at Kinlaw's locker having a long, long dialogue. That's awesome. Um, I mean, seriously, I mean, they were talking for a half hour, uh, just the two of them. Now, I know they, 
you know, but to me, these guys mean a lot here, Vish, because if Kinlaw can absorb some linemen, keep them off Warner, keep them off Greenlaw's legs. I like Warner and Greenlaw with the addition of Gibson and I mean, the addition of uh, Jair Brown to Gibson. I think the Niners are going to be able to do a nice job against Pacheco, but they absolutely have to have Kinlaw keeping the the offensive lineman off of Greenlaw and Warner. I think it's a major key in this game. Yeah, and I do think Warner can play cleaner. I, I don't know. For me, this has been a little bit more of an up and down Fred and Fred Warner season. Personally, I know a lot of people have looked at it first team all pro. All the accolades seem to meet up with he's been as excellent. But I think he more than Greenlaw has been a little bit more having issues in the run game. Like I thought particularly their three game losing streak Krug in the middle of the season. Like if we're talking about all the Niners stars who was really struggling, but nobody seemed to really talk about it, it would be him. So I am a little bit nervous for him, but I I do agree with what you're talking about. I, I think that. You know, here here's a thought for you. Ambry Thomas has struggled, right? He struggled with his confidence. He struggled, right? He had a, basically a confidence-less game losing um, those two pass interferences versus Green Bay. Logan Ryan has not looked so good at safety. But yeah. I thought Logan Ryan played very well in the 12 snaps. He played nickel. Now, the one thing, I and you and I have talked about it from day one, the reason I said Diamondor Lenore was always going to play nickel for this team is because of the run game responsibilities. The Niners put a lot on their nickel in, in run game responsibilities. And there's a really good example. There's a, I think there's a second and goal play to Jameer Gibbs from last week. If people want to go find it, it's on my Twitter. Jordan Elliott posted and I retweeted it. Diamondo Lenore on that play fills the B gap bubble, as they call it. He fills the B gap, which for a nickel Krug, how many nickels fill the B gap on a run fit, right? Like that's a player out of gap. Like you think that's an advantage for the offense and Nichols filling the B gap. But the bubble is when you fill the fiddle, fit the run with the light box, which means that both safeties are outside of the run fit. You're playing two high safeties. Seven men are part of the run fit. The bubble is the unaccounted for gap. In this particular case, Diamondo Lenore is fitting the B gap bubble. Probably the hardest thing you can ask a nickel to do. And he triggers and fills and tackles, um, uh, um, Jameer Gibbs for one yard. It's an excellent play. The reason I bring it up is later in that game, the Lions probably made their most egregious clock management mistake, which was putting them to a forced opportunity to take the onside kick, right, Krug? They ran it on third and goal. The Niners stopped them. They had to use one of their timeouts. Well, on that third and goal play, the Niners have had issues with these receiver crack plays, right? Their corners have not necessarily been the best at crack replacing. When the receiver cracks down, they had issues with Green Bay, that crack toss play. Receiver cracks down on the end, and they get around it, right? Too much um, too Greg- much room, not enough bodies. Exactly. Yeah, it, Greg it just- Olson keeps calling them the pin-pull plays. Um, right. on on Fox, right? They've had issues with that. Well, Logan Ryan out he he basically out leverages the receiver's crack and he beats the gap. Now, I think Fred Warner or somebody else, I think Fred Warner and Armstead might be the two guys that clean up that play for a 1-yard gain. But to me, that was a really impressive run game play from the nickel. And that was something we hadn't seen Oliver doing, which is why Lenore played. This was a long-winded thing, but I wanted to build up my point to ask you is this a case where the Niners should go with Logan Ryan, have him play nickel? He's a veteran. He's played in the Super Bowl. He's won the Super Bowl. He's been there. He looks steadier at nickel, which was his more natural position at the beginning of his career than he has at safety. Play Maybe Lenore Andrew outside. Thomas's conv- confidence isn't there. 
Keep Lenore and Ward on the outside. They're an amazing cornerback duo. Have Logan Ryan and his experience inside. The question is, can Logan Ryan run, right? Because Oliver couldn't run inside. And we didn't really get to see Logan Ryan open up. But do you think that there's any uh, validity or credence to that idea? I do. I do, just because I don't think Kansas City's got the kind of piece to burn him in that, you know. But you're right. He doesn't run and cover the way he used to. He's more going to just kind of be in the right spot and spill spill things to other players mm-hmm. um, in the run game. Um, I do believe in Ambry. I'd give Ambry a shot, but if all of a sudden it's a he's a target, then maybe you got to put Lenore outside. Um, Ambry, I think Ambry, you know, is like kind of a boomer bus guy. He's a wild card. He's he confidence, could, he, man. We he just could don't step know. in front of a pass and take it the other way, or he could be the the conflict defender uh, that costs us the game, you know, or cost the 49ers the game. Um, it's it's one of those things that I think has to be at least considered. At least considered. You mentioned Jordan Elliott. I want to. I want. First of all, I haven't had Jordan Shout on in a while. Jordan, right? Yeah. Well, he's yeah. he's too busy these days, man. He's I got know. a different gig. He's busy. I know. I'm going to share the screen here. This is Jordan Elliott, and he tw- he tweets out the first pick. Uh, the 49ers made after losing the Super Bowl last time to Miami was Javon Kinlaw. Nearly four years later, Kinlaw's performance in the NFC title game is a major reason why the 49ers are back in the Super Bowl. He said, here's a thread of some significant plays that Kinlaw made versus the Lions. I just want to kind of go through these four plays. This is the first one. Mm -hmm. He's like, Kinlaw generates pressure with his bull rush that moves Jared Goff off of his spot, which leads to a narrow miss on a ball intended for Jameer Gibbs in the end zone. Troit ends up kicking a field goal on the drive, keeping the Niners' halftime deficit at 17 instead of 21. All right, I'm going to blow this up so we can see this again. Here it is. There's Kinlaw right here going up against Iwasika. And he bull rushes him, and he made Goff move a little bit and made that a little bit more of a, of with, a with difficult With some good throw. help from Bosa, right? Because he feels Panay Sewell near him, too, for sure. Right, right. Definitely. Right. He, yeah. He, and and Arm, is that, is that uh, Gregory there also? Was that Gregory in so. the space? I think that's who I saw looks, as well. Yeah, that, it's Gregory. Gregory. Yeah. It's Gregory. So Bosa definitely pushed him because he could see that. He could feel it. But also Kinlaw get, kind of right. made him adjust the window right. by the bull rush on our He didn't let him step up. I mean, look at you can, you know, he's coming there in the kind of right. the face. So it's not necessarily he, he didn't make the play. Now, this is like what Javon does a lot. He doesn't necessarily make the play, but he's so damn strong that you can't really handle and he's playing with so much effort right Kareem, right that's the well, other look at thing. that look at the look at the feet he just keeps those feet moving keeps them moving keeps them moving um and then so he helped it'll make be that fun play. to see him do that to trey smith right because that's a mammoth man okay that's the first one here's the second one this is 703 in the third quarter detroit's up 24 10 third and four at the nine or 30 kinlaw sheds his block wraps up um short of the sticks um, of Amon Ross St. Brown, which set up a fourth and two that would change the entire trajectory of this game. Sometimes the most important plays come right before the ones that we remember most. So I'm going to build this one up again. I'll roll this back to the beginning. Now look at Kinlaw. Kinlaw's right there in the box. You see him. Okay, here we go. Okay, here it comes. Snap. 
and he makes the tackle right there. He can't now. That's something that Kinlaw hasn't done tons of, right? He hasn't come off of blocks to make plays. He sometimes stays blocked, but in the second half of the year, he's been much better at disengaging and throwing away his guy and making the play. And he did right there. So that that you know that's a strong man right there making a nice play where he's blocked. He's blocked. Right. Um, right. And I think the guard probably feels like, hey, you know what? I've got this. I've got this. But then all of a sudden, he just kind of throws him away, jumps inside, makes the tackle. Right. Right. Okay. So that's number two on on this list. Now they kind of lined up as a four eye, right? Yeah. Here's the number play. three. This is third quarter, six fifty eight to play, twenty four ten lines, fourth and two. This is the maybe the play of the game. Fourth and two at the nine or twenty eight. Bosa comes off the edge. Uh, Kinlaw's rush though is powerful. It leaves Goff nowhere to step up in the pocket. Can you hit the full screen on it again, Cruz. Yeah, forcing him to move to his right, right before throwing to his left, and and this could have been the turning point overall. Let's roll this thing back. Okay, here we go. Nice, we get Kinlaw's right there in the box. Right, lined up at three technique. This now time. He, he's bull rushing this guy, and he bull rushed him right into Goff. Goff had to move his feet and throw, and then he threw to Reynolds, and it was just. The movement of golf here, I think, makes this a much more difficult catch for Reynolds. Mm -hmm. Ambry had good coverage here, though. I mean, this is this is also good coverage. Mm -hmm. uh, but now we're going to watch it from the end zone wide. So that he's right there in his face, and Bosa's jumped him, and he throws a little bit off to Reynolds, and it's incomplete. And that was that was that was the equivalent of a turnover because that was fourth and two. I I think I think that there's also another great example to this play of what the Niners defense are miss is missing, right? Like you and Jordan are doing an amazing job highlighting Kinlaw. And I agree, right? Like this is a really, really nice rush from him. It looks like he's lining up just inside of the guard there. Um, and so it's a really Don't nice rush, rush. Right. It's a really nice rush from him. But what I also think this shows, Krug, is Look at how each one of these plays affected the quarterback, right? And there's been so much complaints about the Niners pass rush, them not getting home. And I've noticed that a lot of that criticism immediately falls on Bosa. And it's natural, right? He was the guy that got paid this offseason. He's the supremely gifted player. He's the superstar you would expect him to produce. But what's the common denominator in every one of these plays where Kinlaw is getting pressure? Bosa's also there. And to me, Kinlaw getting pressure and it affecting the quarterback so much is just such a good example of how another guy getting home with Bosa changes the elements of the play. And right now, part of the Niners' issue is Bosa's the only one really getting home. So it doesn't feel like the quarterback has is getting pressure because there's only one guy getting home. They can evade that one guy and find other spaces in the pocket to settle and find opportunities to throw but when the second guy comes home it completely collapses the pocket in in each one of these cases right we've seen Jared Goff get rattled we've seen Jared Goff throw an inaccurate pass we've seen Jared Goff's feet you know be a little bit um impatient a little less quiet right we've seen all of those things in each one of these examples and so I think that that's probably the further point to me yes Kinlaw is playing very well but the Niners need more of these kinds of examples like Kinlaw with another guy getting home with Bosa. You know, and it's interesting too. They on that play, if you watch this over and over again, they they put Laporta in motion. He could have chipped on Bosa. They put him in motion on the other side of the formation. He chips on on Chase right. Young. With Panay and, and did Gibbs, him, right? Yeah, and did Gibbs miss the chip here? 
I I'm not sure. He doesn't he doesn't seem to look. He seems to release as if he's not chipping. Right. I'd assume they probably want to chip Bosa, right? You would think. Yeah. You know, you would think, but they, you know, they had two opportunities there, and they stopped doing that. Um. Okay. So that's that's number Wait, three. Can you go back to the pre-snap look. Sure. I just want to see something real quick. Pause it. No, no, that's fine. I, I just wanted to see if they had walked up anybody to the line of scrimmage because it's interesting that the center goes right in this case. Well, I guess then maybe they were thinking that the back would chip. I mean, I'll say this for golf too. He put that right where he wanted to put it. I mean, it, it, you can't really throw the ball better than this considering you had yeah, to move. Yeah, Reynolds got to make this catch. Yeah. Reynolds, Reynolds got to make that. Catch. I thought, I thought Ambry knocked this out. By the way, originally, I was going to yeah. bring this up in his favor at one point. And this is the fourth one, the final one on Kinlaw. One oh five to go, fourth quarter. Niners now up ten. It's third and goal from the oh, one. Nice. This is Logan Ryan too. Detroit had to score here after choosing to run the ball. They get stopped short. It forces you to burn a timeout, leaving a successful onside kick as the only beacon of hope. Kinlaw comes from the backside and slams the door shut. So here it right. is. Watch Logan and, Ryan. Watch him. Great strength back. there. Great strength in pursuit. Wait, wait. Watch Logan Ryan, though. Top of the screen. Watch him beat the crack from Jamison Williams, and he makes the play Yeah, originally. He read it. He right. read that. Look at that. Right. And he came. It's a really good play by the nickel. That's Logan Ryan. So this yeah. this would be the reason why, right? I, I feel like, okay, maybe they can give him a chance in the run game because this is a high-level play in the run game. This is a play Lenore would make. This is a play Oliver wouldn't. That's so, what Logan Ryan can do right there. He can be in the right place. As I said, you, you brought this up a couple minutes ago. I said, well, maybe he could spill something. Well, that's kind of what he's doing here. He's not really making the mm -hmm. tackle. In fact, he kind of whiffed. But just that, just reading it ahead of time, getting the penetration into the backfield, spilling it to the, the block, rest of the right? defense. He beats the block because they're looking. He beats to the block. He, he, he runs around the, the block. Yeah, he was. He yeah, it looked like he beat. Uh, was it? Is that James Jameson Williams? Williams? Yeah, was trying to crack on him. Right. And he just Jameson Williams missed, and it made the running back move just a little bit, and then Warner's there, but Kinlaw. Look at the strength of Kinlaw, though. Right. I mean, he just pushes back. I, Who is that? I, I like Kinlaw, man. I think this is a very generous play to give him, though. That's Decker. Yeah. That he just shoves back. Decker. Yeah. Decker. Yeah. This is this is a Logan Ryan play. But more than anything, it's just it it shows the 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 want to. Right. You know? It I mean, just shows Kinlaw is competing. Right. Yeah. The co the competition. Yep. That's it right there. Uh, great stuff, by the way. I'm a big fan of Jordan Elliott. He's a great follow. You guys all should follow him. He right. works for You're NBC Sports Bay Area. Just there. Did I? Yeah, I know. Uh, right. uh, it's at Splash underscore Cousin, and he does a great job. Uh, he really does. Um, so back to the uh, back to our extravaganza here. I, I, I good good stuff. I mean, good stuff from jo from Jordan Elliott, but also kind of I, I do agree with him that. Kinlaw in in last year, man. I mean, the way last year ended, where Kelsey was moving him and he he wasn't standing up and he was getting pushed around, and you know, I, I thought, man, his Niner career is coming to an end. They didn't pick up the fifth year option. He's probably going to walk away in free agency at the end of the year. Maybe not because he's really tight with Armstead, and Armstead's going to be here if as long as he doesn't retire. But um, 
Kinlaw's done some good things. And he's found a you know, role the, in the NFL, right? He's found a role. You, he is you a don't need to sack the quarterback. Piece. You don't yeah. have to sack at his position. You don't have to sack the quarterback to have a dramatic impact on the game. Right. And he's, he's a rotational piece, right? Like Krug, I think that there was a point given the injuries that went on. Now I, I've always thought he's an exceedingly talented player. So when I've had the opportunity to say things about him, I've always been positive about his career trajectory because I still remember the guy that made Lloyd Cushenberry look funny in the senior pool. He was there for one day. The LSU and I center saw those one-on-ones. Right. I saw those one-on-ones. He made Lloyd Cushenberry look funny. Like he walked in, he was the best player at the senior bowl for a day. I like watching senior bowl practice. I'm going to watch it now when we get off this show. I am too. I take yeah, it. Right. It's interesting to me. And he looked like Krug, you know, you know, those guys, when they have those days of practice in the senior bowl, that was one of those days in Javon Kinlaw's first day before his knee. So I believe in the talent of the player, but Given all his injuries, there was a point coming into this year, Krug, where we didn't know if he had established a role for himself in the NFL. Like, who is Javon Kinlaw? At this point, he was just a talented prospect who people liked because of his physical gifts, who we had no clue what his knee injuries were going to lead to. And he hadn't really produced on the field much outside of the end of his rookie season, which was promising, and then followed by two knee surgeries. And all you can say at the end of this year is, regardless of what happens, Javon Kinlaw has a home. He knows what he is. He is a rotational defensive piece on any defensive line in the NFL. And that's an important thing. He's found his role. He's found his spot. His size is impactful. His effort is impactful. He competes with strength. It's it's cool to see. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, I've talked to him a number of times this year. I really like him. Thursday, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to talk to him because, man, mm-hmm. that, that, that uh, you know, that film was good. That's a good film for him for sure. Um, and you know, he plays a position where he's probably going to get paid in the off season and he may right. leave, but, um, but either way, um, he's starting to fulfill his potential for sure. And it was good to see. It was absolutely good to see. Um, okay. Let's hit some, let's hit some supers because a lot of people, we've got a bunch it. from here and I don't want to get them too far backed up and we're not going to go too much longer. Uh, John Edwards says, I believe the 49ers having survived a couple gut check playoff games will only benefit in the Super Bowl. It prepares them to trust that they can win games any way possible. Championship pedigree. You know, really, more than anything, it's like, hey, the Niners um, kind of freely admitted in the middle of the year, man, we need to win the grimy games. And then they entered the playoffs really having not done that. And now they've won back-to-back grimy-type games. Um, And in a lot of ways... Uh, I don't know. I mean, would you rather be where they're at this year going into the Super Bowl? Would you rather be on the tail of two one-sided games uh, like they were when they played the Chiefs last time in Miami? Okay, and that's a great question. And you can question my bias, right? Because I know the results of what happened to that 2019 team, and I still have a lot of hope for this team. But I like where this team is way a lot more. Krug, I I questioned it before these playoffs. I hadn't seen them win this style of game, and that was important to me. I didn't feel like they could blow out everybody in this playoffs, which is funny because I picked them to blow out twice. Once because I thought they would, you know, just come in off of their bye and their exceed or their a lot of rest and blow out Green Bay. And then I thought because they were rusty versus Green Bay, they would just come in and shellac the Lions, which they kind of did for a half, but they didn't do it the way I predicted for sure. But I, I needed to see them win this kind of game. And I feel like it gives you a lot of confidence when you see a quarterback 
go through adversity in the playoffs and still hold his nerve, especially as a young player, because that's a very difficult thing to do. A lot of people don't understand. Like, look at Lamar Jackson in that last game, right? It's not a... A lot of people are going to make a resounding conclusion on Lamar. Like, Lamar can't play in the playoffs. Lamar can't do this. It's none of those things. He can play in the playoffs, but the pressure of the moment, the pressure of a home playoff game, them getting down early, Spags blitzing the crap out of him, all of those things you could see. It changed Lamar Jackson. His demeanor was not the same. His poise wasn't the same. His confidence wasn't the same. Like, that affected him. What's really cool about Brock Purdy and what's not being talked about in the constant debate of, is he the greatest quarterback we've ever seen? Or let me call him the worst quarterback we've ever seen, right? Like, it's just the constant, like, back and forth of those two things is that he's a 24-year-old who's starting his first year coming off of a serious injury, a serious injury that you and I were, like, sitting here in the offseason. You were a little bit more positive about it than me, but we were nervous about his outlook going into this season because he had to deal with rehabbing the injury the entire offseason. Last year, he came in cold as a starter, basically out of nowhere, and had played as well as any seventh-round pick quarterback we'd ever seen. He played, you and I said, better than any Niners quarterback we had seen under Kyle Shanahan. So there's this expectations, this pressure. This is his first real playoffs as the starter, and you just see his demeanor being so consistent throughout it, so consistent throughout the outside noise. I think that's something that's different. I think that that's something that's special, Krug, and I think that that's why I'm more confident in this team, especially to see them win that close game and see his demeanor be like that because, Krug, people don't remember this, but in 2019, actually, people remember it clearly that Jimmy didn't throw the ball a lot in 2019, but the why of why he didn't throw the ball doesn't get talked about enough. He came in hot. Their script versus the Vikings, that first drive, Jimmy G was dealing. That ball on that crosser to Emmanuel Sanders was a sweet throw. Probably as good a throw as Jimmy G has made as a Niner. But, but, the first time he clanked the ball off of Eric Kendricks, the first time he got hit in the pocket and he floated that fluke ball to Kendrick Bourne who made a diving catch, he was not the same quarterback. He got rattled in that moment. He got spooked, and they didn't have to deal with the fact that he was spooked until the very end of the Super Bowl when that ball needed to go to go into his hands. That, to me, is the difference. That's why I have more confidence in this team. Seeing them win a close game and seeing their quarterback have to go through all the different kinds of adversity and never change his demeanor, to me, was important because even the best of quarterbacks, even quarterbacks with more talent than Purdy, they get spooked because these moments are so hard. There's way too much outside noise. There's way too much going on. It gets to people. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think, you know, it's funny that you said that because, you know, Brian Baldinger, who I love Baldy, and uh, we're trying to get Baldy on the channel, believe it or not. Ooh. He said he'd come on. Um, he sent me a, a direct uh, a DM in the in Twitter the other day saying, yeah, if you need me, let me know. And I'm like, dude, Let's are you go. kidding me? Let's do it right now. Um, but he, we're going to get him on sometime in the next 10 days. But he went on 95.7 the game today because he's a regular on there. And um, he was asked, you know, about about, uh, you know, this edition of the 49ers. And um, he, he said, well, they found Brock Purdy. And what he said, what he meant was, he says, I mean, you know, Kyle Shanahan trusts his quarterback. He says, I think that's the difference. And it's not a knock on anybody else. Jimmy, anybody else that's been here, he just trusts his quarterback. And that's what it comes down to. And so. You can be aggressive up three points and try to put a nail in the coffin right there. You can take some shots and trust that if it do, if he doesn't make the play that's called, he's going to make his own play and create a play like he did a couple of times. And um, 
you know, there's no question. I mean, you know, Kyle, um, you know, Kyle trusts Brock Purdy. By the way, the Niners will be wearing the road whites again. Right. Same, right. just like the last Super Bowl with the right. Chiefs. The Niners were in white, Chiefs were in red. It's going to be the True. same thing. But I what got, do you think? I, got, I mean, what do you think? I of got that? two things for you. I got yeah. two things for you on that. So let's go a year ago to this exact matchup, right? Niners versus Chiefs. Even though the Chiefs steamrolled the Niners offense, and even though that Chiefs defense, while it had a lot of the same players, wasn't as good as this year's one it had a lot of talented players it was like what you described about the Lions right they were a year away from those players maturing to have a great defense which is what they have this year they also play a style that aids their defense being better more this year than they did last year what was the real turning point in that game right end of the half Niners are going back the and Jer- their the, offense is moving the Jarek McKinnon throws well, well I thought it was I thought the Jarek McKinnon screen pass where, you know, he caught it at the 30 and yeah. got down okay, to the five or whatever. That was pretty fair enough, but it was still 14-13 and Jimmy Garoppolo at the Kansas City five-yard line, right, throws yeah. a really stupid interception. Yeah. And it felt like that threw off the Niners in that game. The Chiefs eventually pulled it away, so it felt like a blowout, but that game was back and forth for a lot of it. And this guy threw one of the dumbest interceptions we've seen from the five-yard line. Yeah. To contrast this to, so I had never actually watched the end of that game. I was pretty upset. You know, they're, I'm vicious, still a fan. 44, 44, 15, yeah, 23, yeah. right? And I yeah. was pretty upset. So I didn't watch the last drive of that game when Brock Purdy comes into play. Then later, I was watching this video on Underdog Fantasy. Shout out to my guy, Josh Norris, um, with Josh McCown before he became the Panthers head coach or quarterbacks coach, excuse me. And they were discussing this particular game. And the funny thing is, like, I I refer back to this because, like, I I wanted to point out this stupid mistake from Jimmy and how it affected them. Go look at how Brock Purdy plays in his short cameo in that last drive. He goes four for nine for 66 yards, and he throws a pick at the end. Wasn't it dropped by Willie Sneed in the end zone, that one? Yes, yes. Yes, that I think that was the one with the drop by Willie Sneed. He makes one utterly, absolutely just um, ridiculous throw. over the middle of the field, I think it's, or yeah, I think he makes one pretty ridiculous throw to Ray Ray McLeod on that drive, but he's wheeling and dealing. He comes in there fearless and he makes a couple of throws that if, if you go watch that full game, even though we know what Brock Purdy has turned out to be and we knew what Jimmy Garoppolo was, you'll still feel it like, wow, this guy's got something to him. Now at the time, nobody really knew anything. You were really high on him, but the rest of us, we didn't really know anything. But I just thought that that was an interesting tidbit if you're contrasting the two players and seeing Shanahan's confidence. In the same game, in the same moment, the seventh-round rookie off the bench seemed to have a little bit something more to him, a little more aggression versus you know the veteran who threw the really stupid pick in that game that kind of turned the game off for them. Yeah. And Kansas city made big plays in that game. They had two picks. They had five sacks. They hit the quarterback eight times. It's where's Thornhill, by the way, he's in Cleveland. Yeah. So Thornhill was on this Thornhill led them that day with 11 tackles. Uh, but Willie gay and Bolton combined for 18 tackles, 11 solo right. and a half sack. I mean, they were, they were great. I mean, they really were. And then that chief team, had Juju Smith Schuster had a big day. Right. Uh, they don't have which him anymore. Which is basically Rashi Rice right now. I mean, they have the MVS had three catches for 111 yards. Hardman had a touchdown. I've, if I remember correctly, Reed kind of used Hardman and some trick plays in the, yep, in the, yep. on the goal line. A lot of remember the other variable to that game. And this is what I want to know about the referees. And this throughout the game. 
you remember at the beginning of the game, they called two really fast neutral zone infraction penalties on Nick Bosa for lining up in the neutral zone. I haven't seen that penalty called on Nick Bosa since. I didn't see that penalty called on Nick Bosa before, but they called it very early in the game in the first quarter. To me, it felt like that threw off Nick Bosa the entire game. I talked to a former player on the 49ers at the time who I don't think would care me saying this. He felt like, wow, that really threw off the Niners at that point because it felt like something planned. Like they told the refs like, well, hey, watch out for Bosa. Let's get him on it to kind of mess with his head. And then they kept going misdirection, misdirection to Bosa. And this is after Bosa, like Krug, I don't know if you remember that 2019 Super Bowl, Bosa was the best player on the field. Like he dominated that game. He was utterly terrific. That second time the Chiefs got him, they were able to do that. So it'll be interesting to me to see if they call this neutral zone infraction lining up in the neutral zone penalty out in, on Nick Bosa out of nowhere in the Super Bowl. Because then yeah. you'll know the Chiefs have found something and are looking out for it and trying to get in his head. And by the way, I would love for you to ask him that question, Krug, if you get a chance with him this week okay. or next week, be like, hey, Nick, last time you guys played, they had those neutral zone infraction penalties early on you. Um, you haven't really been called for that before. Did it affect you in that game? And are you worried about it going into this game? How about Jake Moody? How much do you trust Moody going into this game? I have no clue, Krug. I have absolutely no he, clue. He did he bounce back after a miss. He misses a kick, and then he bounced back. And in my head, like I'm able to create circumstances, like that was objectively clutch. Like they needed points. It was a 43-yard field goal. He'd been missing it. He makes it, right? They needed a 52-yard kick versus Green Bay. He had to make it. He was feeling the pressure, and he made it. So you could make the argument that he's been clutch. He's bounced back. He's shown he's mentally strong, but he's also missing kicks, man. Like that's not good. I know. I know. It's like, um, it's, it's a weird thing. I mean, I, I don't know what to say about it. Uh, in that game against, against Kansas city last year, uh, Robbie gold went three for three. So hopefully it won't come down to a kick. Uh, Kevin Crittenden says, by the way, let me ask you this. Yeah. Cause I know you're, you're into the weeds on this type of stuff. Yeah. The one thing Kansas city's always had with Andy Reed, right. And Andy Reed's always had it as a strong special teams coach. John Harbaugh used to be at Dave Tobe. Yeah. Long time special teams coach in Kansas City. Been there pretty much the entire time of Andy Reid's tenure. Great special teams coach. They always have an excellent special teams. I mean, going, they, going back to kicker. going back to Frank Gans. I mean, they, right. they, they 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 always have had great special teams there. Dante was, Hall, right? The human wasn't was Brad Seely there? I'm not sure if Seely was there. Brad Seely was there. He was yeah. in New England and there, I think. But do yeah, you, no, they're going to be good on special teams. special teams, right? Because the kicker is the one question and then kickoff coverage. Kickoff I coverage. love Mitch and I, I think oh my they're God, better. He's been amazing, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's great. He's great. And then I love uh, Odom, but um, Ray Ray makes me nervous and I don't I don't have a real good feeling about the kicker. Okay. You know? um, but yeah, it worries me. It, it does worry me. Who's their return guy? Who's Kansas City's return guy? Uh, is it not me, Cole Hardman? It's Richie James. Oh, right. Richie James. I, I knew that. I knew that. That's my mistake. Richie James. Yeah. That, yeah. Wouldn't that be something if Richie James took one back on us? Yeah. Um, By the way, he still catches punts so nonchalantly, whether, and he runs with no urgency still. I noticed that. Crittenden says Purdy put his Brock on the table. Ford Niners looked like the more rested team in the second half. Um, I guess, I guess I didn't, I didn't even think of the rest factor at all in that second half. I didn't feel, I didn't feel like it at all. 
I felt yeah, like there I was one team that it was it got tight for them. They're a young team. The moment was too big for them. It was too much. And then you had one team who's been there, done that, just kept their poise and played smarter, cleaner, more disciplined throughout the entirety of the game and were able to hold out and win. Well, I mean, to me, it was like the Niners knew that if they lost that game, it was a disaster. So they played with this urgency and this edge and this sobering, uh, you know, very sobering type uh, second half um, where can't where Detroit, um, I think, played well. But Dan Campbell, I think, made some really bizarre decisions. Mm-hmm. I didn't to me when you're Dan Campbell. To me, if you say, what was Dan Campbell's biggest mistake? I'll tell you what his biggest mistake was. Kicking at 20 or going for it at 27, 24 down. No, I was going to say the biggest mistake was you have a young team and you have to sense when you have momentum and when you don't. And they had all the momentum at the end of the first half and they got to fourth in fourth down and on the two. And at that point, David Montgomery is going for almost eight yards a carry and the Niners can't stop him at all. Mm-hmm. And I would have just handed it to Montgomery and said, you know what? We are going up 28-7. And instead, and there was it was a quiet, it wasn't really loud. The people were deflated. You know, Shanahan's thinking, I mean, they're the Niners are just praying they don't get the touchdown there. I would have gone for the touchdown you know right there to go you know up 28 what I think scared him? If you remember, this was the AFC Championship game scenario a couple years ago between the Bengals versus the Chiefs. But you're Chiefs Dan Campbell. You've gone for right, it on right. fourth down the all Chiefs the time. had the ball at, like I think, the two-yard line, and they I think Tyreek Hill got, tra- got tackled on like a screen bubble screen for a one-yard loss, and the Chiefs went into half. I think it might have been 21-3, Krug, that they were up, or 21-7, but they were up by a considerable amount. And they kind of bagged it, bagged it before half, and it felt like that was the momentum shift that started the Ravens' comeback. So I think in that moment, he did fear it. But you're right. It's like if we're going to say, Dan Campbell, this is your identity, go for it, go for it, go for it. Why was that the one time that you puckered up to be a little more sensible about going for it? I mean, how do you get to the end of the game with David Montgomery, who's five foot 225, and the Niners didn't stop him? And you only gave him 15 carries. He had 33 earlier this year in a game. They weren't stopping him. Not only did was that a mistake, not handing it to Montgomery, it was a mistake having Goff throw to Reynolds on fourth and two go when they went Rod, for right? it. Once they went for it, run Montgomery. Or do they? That, yeah. They were literally getting the 49er offensive defensive line. To push, they were pushing them back three, four yards. If you noticed, there would be several runs in the first half where you're like, oh, Niners did a nice job on that run. And then you'd look up and be like, that was a five yard gain. Right, right. And you're like, and well, by wait the a way, second, that wasn't a by great the way, job. While we're on the fourth and two and the third and two, because I did criticize him a little bit at the beginning of the show, to get to fourth and two, that third and three, they run that like zone play with Amon Ross St. Brown out of the backfield. To get him to fourth down, that was an awesome play by Fred Warner. That was an awesome, no doubt, play by no Fred. doubt. But 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 yeah. then also the feel. But you're of that, right. You're right. I just want. I mean, to think about this out. way. Think about this other one. There's some, there was another one in the game. They ran Montgomery for 16 yards, mm-hmm. and it felt like, uh oh, they can run this power back at will. The next play was a flea flicker. Right. 
that Jamison Wh- Williams didn't track the ball. Why are you running a flea flicker when you just handed it to your running back and he ran for 16 yards? Heck, this 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 uh, Lions team on third and 13 got a 13-yard run from a Jameer Gibbs. Mm-hmm. They were running at will and they went away from it to pass. And I, I I don't know. To me, everybody made that offensive coordinator sound like he's a genius. He decided to stay today instead of go to the commanders. Uh, ben Johnson, is that his name? Yeah. Okay. So I have a take on this that I would love to hear from you because I don't doubt that he's called the creative offense this year, but I think that people overrate the ability to call a creative offense. Like I think there's guys like Shanahan, right? That really know how to stress a defense and stress a defense with scheme. But I don't think that a lot of people look at that and and say, oh, that's great offensive football. I think football people do. But I think a lot of fans look at the trickery, the pizzazz, the back and forth, you know, like all of that stuff. They look at that as creative offense. And I think that when you have an inherently aggressive coach, right, in Campbell, that's decided we're going to win every game through our offense, damn our defense, we'll put them in all kinds of bad spots. They're not good anyway. We're going to win through our offense. It's easier to be the offensive coordinator that gets to call anything and everything with a bunch of really talented guys on offense that you can run the ball. I'm not calling him a bad coordinator, Krug. I just feel like situationally when you're projecting him as a head coach, I don't think he can call plays the way they do in Detroit as a head coach, if that makes sense. They have a lot. They have a highly talented roster in Detroit combined with a head coach who's willing to, you know, I, I was surprised he didn't fake punt twice versus the Niners. That was all that was missing, you know, and Jack Fox had one of the greatest punts I've ever seen in that game. And they might have still fake punted. So when they do all those kinds of things and take those risks, you're really calling the court. You're calling the game as the coordinator, just every play you're trying to score, right? Every play, you have to be creative. There's no responsibility to your defense and all of that. I question him as this red-hot candidate if we're looking as a head coach because I don't think you can call plays and be like that the way Ben Johnson's been able to be as a head coach. What's your take on it? Am I being a little too much of a skeptic? What do you I think, think he's overrated, man. I really do. I think their success is about is about the GM. It's about you think it's the, just it's, drafting. I love their weapons. Amon yeah, Ra right. and Laporta and Montgomery was a great signing, and Jameer like Gibbs was a phenomenal draft pick, and and Jamison Williams is a is a home run hitter. Talented um, player. And, and you know I, I love what they've done personnel wise. I think his, him, by the his way his feel his feel was marginal. You'll like this. Daniel Jeremiah said that they're kind of like a mini 49ers. I heard him say that last week. And it was actually an apt comparison because Sewell's like their Trent Williams. Amon Ra's like their Debo. They've got like a very talented player in Jamison Williams. He's not Ayuk, but he's a very talented player, like you said. I mean, Gibbs has got McCaffrey potential. Maybe he can't be that because Christian is just such a special and complete player. But Gibbs looks Gibbs looks special. Monty Dude, special. I'll, I'll say this. I think they're the Cowboys of the 90s. You think they're the oh, you think they got the triplets. You think this Yeah, I think they got the triplets. I mean, I I think they've got Irvin. Well, I mean, it's you think golf is the triplet quarterback. Well, no, no, waiting for their Aikman. The triplet is is Gibbs, Laporta, Laporta, and Amon Ra. Okay, okay. Those that's the triplet. But then they also have doubt. Remember that team, that Dallas team also had big Eric Williams. That's like your Panay Sewell. They had a really good really good center in Stepnoski. That's your rag now. Um, you know, they were good. They were, I mean, they, Dallas was loaded and it was, it was a lot of personnel. I don't know, man, to me, like, I just look at it this way. 
if you take out Ben Johnson and the Lions and put Kyle Shanahan in there, if all of a sudden you just handed it to Christian McCaffrey and he just carved up a defense for 16 yards, you know what everybody's yelling? Just run the ball on these guys. They can't handle it. And then you go to a flea flicker. And the one, I mean, I mean, it's just to me, they should have run the ball. It wasn't that they went for it or didn't go for it. It's that when they did, they, they didn't go for it at the end of the first half when they could have stepped on the Niners mm-hmm. throughout. And then when they did go for it, they went with it by throwing it instead of running it when they had this awesome run blocking line and these runners that the Niners couldn't defend. So I, that's what I would question. I, I now, think it was just that, but that would be what I would question about him too. To me, he's just a young coach, right? It's a young, he's young in that moment and like trying to show everybody what he's got in his bag of tricks right exactly yeah i I do think that don't you think there's an element to that though people talk about players egos all the time but coaches are trying to get promoted coaches are trying to get that next job coaches are trying to have that right optics right like a coach like spags for example he just coaches to win at this point in his career he's not getting promoted this is his role like as a defensive coordinator some of these younger coaches like do you remember when john d filippo was the guy like he was the quarterback coach he was the next Andy Reid guy and he gets the Minnesota um offensive coordinator job in 2018 and it's a total flop with Diggs Thielen and uh um Cousins well that was a guy who was just coaching with his ego he was trying to coach to get the right PR and get the next job and all of that so I do think there's examples of that there was one that was the one thing I loved about Harbaugh is that when he would run the ball if he had success here it came again here it came again. They just ran and ran and ran some more. Uh, Matthew Sanders has removed Casey's magic in this matchup is preferable to Baltimore. I kind of agree. I kind of agree, though. I th- feel like the Niners could have beaten Baltimore as well. I think Baltimore, that was a lot about turnovers. But um, but I, but also, I, like, I, you know, I think that McDonald, defensive coordinator, does a great job. And let's be honest, the Niners... The Niners love to control the middle of the field, and the Ravens' middle of the field personnel is outstanding. So it's hard to control the middle of the field when Geno Stone, Hamilton, Roquan, Queen. They got their big plays on them, though, Krug. They were no, I know, no, I know. I just, I don't. Hamilton to me is a truly great player. I think he's a he's a Canton type. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here's here's one Krug. Everybody in their grandmother in that draft thought Kyle Hamilton was a great player, right? Like, I remember everybody, like, I Blue thought chipper. pretty much thought he was a clean prospect, right? And then we're coming here, and because other teams had to take other positional needs, and he falls to 14, Eric DaCosta gets a crown for taking a guy that feels obvious. Linderbaum was the same thing to me. Like, the Ravens have made a lot of terrific picks in my lifetime, especially with Ozzie Newsome. But sometimes I feel like it's we have to compliment this organization because they always tend to do a good job like of all their impressive picks maybe i'm a hater please call me out if i'm just being a hater but i love the way the ravens draft why because they draft great college football players and they project them to be great pros even if they have a flaw so give you an example linderbaum linderbaum's got short arms Mm -hmm. but so what this guy was the best college center that had come down the pike in like a decade. Sure right. enough, they drafted him in the first round. You know, they go for great college football players, and it doesn't always but work out, always. but it works not out always, a lot. Though, right? They take a lot of high traits players too, right? Like Owe. 
Oway was a pure traits project pro, projection. I mean, yeah. he only played he only played his sophomore year, right? At Penn State. He came right. out as a redshirt sophomore. I mean, he ran four three seven. Right. I mean, he had right. great, great right. edge He's speed. He's I mean, freak. yeah. But I mean, like, you know, um, they traded for Roquan Smith. They they drafted Patrick Queen. I mean, these were very productive players. Geno Stone right. at Iowa was a very productive player. Right. Um, I mean, and Mar- then they also Marlon, do- Marlon Humphrey was a very productive player for two years at Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, going way back, going way back to Jonathan Ogden, go back to Elodi right. Nada. I mean, they they go after Ray Lewis. I mean, they go after guys who are great. Um, you know, great Alister. Yeah, you know, Chris McAllister, blue chippers, guys who are great. They instead of trying to like look for traits all the time, they mostly stick with great college players and then just of that group, then they go find well, okay. guys who have traits. You know, you're right about that. Like in terms of them overlooking that flaw, right? Like Ray Lewis undersized doesn't matter. He was a great player. Terrell Suggs, he was gonna run slow, doesn't matter. They'll take him. He's a great player, right? You are right about that. You're They'll right. go for just they it's almost like they they watch college football like fans, and then they find out who the great college players are, and then they draft those guys. And and if they have measurables as well, they'll draft them really high. Uh, Glass City says, you hear what Alex Smith said about the Super Bowl matchup? I didn't. Did you? I didn't either, no. Um, I don't know. What did he say? I mean, is I'm there sure something? It was insightful. Uh, Maybe I, we'll I, have to talk about it on Thursday, Krug. Channel. I know. We'll do our I love. Here, so you can bring I, it up. If Greasy left the Niners, Alex Smith is the guy. Um, Alex Smith you think is he would the do guy. that job. ESPN's uh, a real cushy gig compared to the grind of being a quarterbacks coach. Let's see. Maybe this is it. I think if this is from today, yeah, this is 12 hours ago. Oh God. I don't know if I'm going to want to hear this, but here it is. Here it is. Cause he was, you got to remember this. Alex Smith likes Mahomes. So right. former Chiefs yeah. quarterback. He's like yeah, Montana. And he's got so he's a big he's a big Mahomes guy. Here's what he said about this. They're gonna be in for it. The, the only chance I think the Niners have to win. Here we go. Wait one second. He loves Mahomes. Remember, he loves Mahomes and he played for Kansas City. Like this this 49er defense doesn't do a lot. They don't present a lot of volume. Um, I, I think he they're gonna be in for it. The, the only chance I think the Niners have to win is a little bit of a shootout. And again. This Chiefs defense just continues to elevate their game. Like, yeah. So there you go. He, he, uh, he, he's a big fan of Mahomes. Oh um, wait, Vinovich is the referee. Yeah, Bill Vinovich is the referee again. Is the ref. Yep. Oh man. So, By the way, that- do you know he repped that 2019 Super Bowl, Larry, a year, a year after he blew the biggest call in NFL history. He was the ref. Who blew Ram Saints? The, the Ram Saints offensive pass inter- or the pass interference non-call on Nicole Roby Coleman, and the very next year the NFL sweeps it on the rug, sticks him in the Super Bowl. Oh my God, that's devastating news, Larry. Why did you have? Oh my God, I know, I know. Well, and it does, it, I'll say this on the Alex Smith. Anything? Get crabby. Uh, he doesn't. I call know, anything. I know. I, I, I mean, in a way. um, I mean, does that mean they're going to let them hold Bosa again? I mean, if Juwan Taylor can hold Bosa all day. It wasn't just the holding of Bosa, right? There was an obvious pass interference to Emmanuel Sanders where he gets tackled over the middle of the field. It doesn't get called. Doesn't get called. Like there were Niners a lot have gotten of- some bad luck. I mean, look at the look at the Ravens Super Bowl on the Bruce Miller hold on the Jacoby Jones hundred yard right, return. Right, that was brutal. 
That was a brutal right, call. Of course, we never miss remember the calls that, you know, were for the favor of the Niners, to be fair. Like, that is a fair point in all of this. But, oh, there's just some bad juju with Bill Binovich, man. There's some no bad juju. There's uh, bad juju as- with him. There's bad juju with the stinking guy who made the Ahmad Brooks call in 2014 versus the oh, Saints. Oh, my God. Like, oh, and that looked bad because he was running. Breeze was running we're, we're, into I'm it. I'm still mad about that uh, call. Brooks, Brooks is still mad about that call. Uh, Story four by fourings or Stovey four by fourings says we should draft Luke McCaffrey or Brendan Rice at wide receiver. I don't know that McCaffrey's going to get drafted. I knew I, I did ask uh, Christian about him, and he loves him and really yeah, badly wants. Question, he badly wants the Niners to get him. I think you could get Luke McCaffrey in the seventh round. Um, and I would probably take him in the seventh round. Uh, we'll, t- we'll see what he runs I mean, at Indy. The Niners had Max McCaffrey around for a little bit. They did bit have Max stuff. McCaffrey yeah. from Duke. This kid played at Rice. And he, he I watched his film for like 20 minutes one day. He's not super explosive. So I'm got to see what he runs 40-time-wise. 40 40 but um, I would say... I would definitely take a flyer on him in the seventh round, but I think he's a seventh round guy. Now, Brendan Rice, on the other hand, is one of my favorite wide receivers in this draft. And I think Brendan Rice Vish mm-hmm. is great. Now, I don't think him. he's Jerry. Okay, let's not get that wrong. You know, and and a lot of people say, oh, they shouldn't draft him because you know he'll be compared to Jerry. Screw that. Who cares? Um, I love him though. He's got great hands, he's six four. He's a solid 200 pounds, 210. He plucks the ball with his hands. He plays the game like it's the most important thing in his life. And I love that. He's very, very serious, very, very dedicated football player. He's got the rice maniacal kind of like, I want to be good. And just think about that. That alone makes him good. And then he runs decent. I'll be interested to see what he runs. I don't think he's going to run big. I think he's going to run like, you know, four, four, nine, four, five, three, something like that. That'll be my guess. Right about what his dad ran four, five, five or whatever. But I love him. I would take him in anywhere from the late third to the top of the fifth. He reported his dad reportedly ran four, seven, right? I thought it was four, five, five. Was it four five five? I don't know. You I four seven. Wow. It that sounds crazy, slow. right? Because you don't see four anywhere near four seven on the field. You see. Let me four, type that in. Day. Jerry Rice's forty time. I think it would say four five. Four five. seven one. Really? Yeah, which was measured be- oh wait, what? It was no, measured it's, it's, between four four five and four seven one, according to Wikipedia. Yeah, I, I would say four five five, but Four seven one. I did. I do remember seeing this. I do remember seeing this video for the NFL 100 um, team, um, and it was with Bill Belichick and him. For the life of me, I can't find this video ever again since that. But they talk about his 40 in that, and Bell Bill Belichick adds detail about how apparently the combine was outdoors at the time. Okay. Jerry Rice ran his 40 into the wind and uphill. (laughs) <laughs> well uphill would okay, be bad yeah so so that's what i remember now i cannot find this video ever to verify this like so it, what, it's, it's really you know, frustrating jerry but, i would say if you said what did he how fast did he play 
I would say he was like a 4-4, four, 4-3 four, four, guy. I mean, he ran Bro, away he from everybody. He outruns angles, and that's why I hate that they do this yeah. David versus Goliath thing. Like, he ran really slow, but it doesn't matter because he was the fastest person on the field. Like, speed does matter. It yeah. just so happens that his speed in his 40 time was not reflective of how fast he was because he out, he just outruns angles clean. Oh, I know. Just the amazing. The Dallas touchdown versus not in 95. Yeah, they at Texas Stadium. Yeah, versus I was the, there. Back. Yeah. I was there. He ran away from the entire Dallas defense. It was, right. went, it was like 85 speed. yards or it's something. Different speed. And when yeah. the ball's in the air, like when Steve Young or Montana would just put it out there for him. He like ran the through the ball. Off the sack. Like he ran through it. Like when the ball uh, was in the air, no corner could run with him. No, Jerry. Jerry never got caught from behind. Never. I, I don't ever remember him getting caught and, from behind. And the other thing I'll say, because I like, I love watching his old Kind of like Eric Dickerson never got caught from behind. Right. He was such a smooth runner, right? Yeah. But with Rice, one of my frustrating things is that I feel like his route running, like people acknowledge it as like that was his great trait, but it doesn't get enough credit because so many people are enamored with the flash in route running, which is like, you know, do you put on two different moves? Do you break a guy's ankle? And so they don't understand. I feel like that gets what gets missed is the number one asset of a route runner, in my opinion, is being where they're supposed to be on time. It doesn't matter how you get there, but you need to be open where you're supposed to be on time. It doesn't matter if you put on five moves on the backside of the route or you just run your route smoothly. And that's what made Jerry so special in this offense, right? On time, he was always exactly where he needed to be. And that's special route running, like always open where he needed to be on time. It's amazing. His career was so crazy. I cannot believe someone's actually touching one of his records in my lifetime. Like the fact to me, that Travis who, did anybody touching these records is crazy to me. Did anybody ever run the slant better than Jerry? No. Did have you ever Nobody, seen anybody? No, no DB ever cut him off. He always got his shoulder across. He always got in that lane. I mean, it was it was an amazing. He was an amazing player, man. An I amazing, still can't believe he came player. back like 13 games into the season off his ACL. Yeah. Oh God. Like, I, I'll never. I'll never forget. I was 14 years and old. And then he played five years after that. Like what? 14 years old. Christmas Day, 1984. They used to play the blue gray college all star game, and it was small school guys um, on Christmas morning at 9 a.m. on the West Coast, and we'd watch it. And, and I, I would watch it every, every year I would watch that thing because we were Christmas Eve people. So I already had all my gifts and uh, everybody else is kind of sleeping in. I'd watch Christmas day. And I remember watching this guy on Christmas day, just absolutely put on a freaking clinic. And then fast forward, I'm only 14. Now I'm 15. It's April of 85. And I'm at the kitchen table because the draft used to be Monday morning. Mm -hmm. So like, and it was not on TV at all. It was something about how times have changed. It wasn't right, on TV. That, huh? Yeah. And my dad just, my dad yells from upstairs. Hey, the 49ers just drafted. And, um, he knew what a big Niner fan I was. Uh -huh. And I yelled back to him. Did they draft Jerry Rice? That's and awesome. my dad literally with shaving cream on half his face walks downstairs at our house into the dining room. I'm eating my cereal. And he's like, they did draft Jerry rice. <laughs> How did you know that? You know, cause there was no, there was no cell phones. There was no bleacher report app. There was no anything. Right. 
And I said, I didn't know that. I just saw him on the blue gray game and he's freaking awesome. And he's like, yeah, they drafted Jerry Rice. I'm like, that's great. He's great. He's going to, oh, that's, that's awesome. Dad. And he goes back upstairs. Um, and you know, of course he had a terrible rookie year. He dropped all kinds of passes and he looked terrible. Uh, but man, I mean, you know, after that first year, he was just un freaking believable. Jerry Rice had 23 touchdowns in, um, in, uh, games, 22 and four, in, in one games, season, 12 games, in by 12 the way, lockout season, not to get into this because you and I went at this before, but my son, my 14 year old, as I was getting ready to go to Niners lions said, dad, I've got a great stat for you Ooh. that you can ask O'Neill. I'm like, great. What like is Lorenzo it? Lorenzo Yeah. Lorenzo Neal. I do the pregame with him. He goes, guess how I many red zone going. targets. Brandon Ayuk has had this year. Mm -hmm. Do you want to guess what it was? I, I lost track. I was keeping a running count after we debated about it for a little bit. And it was like each time he like after we debated it, he ended up getting like red zone targets and red zone touchdowns in like the next three or four games. It was like a wild thing. Red zone targets, though. We're not I'm not talking about touchdowns yeah, yeah, now because ahead, touchdowns have to be, you know, red zone is what? 30 or 25 yards is in 20 he in. had he had four yeah four i think four. he had three touchdowns and four red zone targets four red zone targets yeah for the season for yeah. ayuk yeah and when, when we i had asked debate, when i asked loneal guess what he guessed 35 35 he goes i don't know 35 and i'm like four he like he couldn't believe it Dude, they were so committed to getting McCaffrey that record, though, at one point in the year. But that even that, like that that's shocking. In the red zone. But, but Krug, when you when you see them in the red zone, right, does it not feel like they go McCaffrey first? And if they don't get it to McCaffrey, it feels like they're going to try to get the ball to Debo. And Debo attacks to find the end zone with the tenacity. But Ayuk is just so smooth at creating space down there. He's just so good at catching the ball away from his frame in tight spaces. You would think that they would give him more opportunities. For whatever reason, they just keep going to Christian McCaffrey. I'm surprised it's four because I thought it got up to five or six. I wasn't following it when I was in India, but I was like still kind of paying attention to it. It's staying at four means he has three four. touchdowns, Krug, in four red zone targets. That's, That's an amazingly efficiency. low number. That's an amazing. Hey, he got number. one at least versus Detroit. How about yeah. that? No, I mean, uh, shocking, though. It's a shocking one. Mazin L. Tom says, not to jinx anything, but if the Niners lose again to the Chiefs, will they mentally and psychologically be dr too drained to go back? Oh, no. I might I mean, be too drained to come back yeah. here. <laughs> Seriously, I, we all might be too psychologically drained. Daza says, Juwan Taylor is the most penalized lineman this year. Maybe something we can take advantage uh, of. And Donovan Smith in Tampa was Mr. Holding. Yeah, maybe that. Hey, you know what? Maybe the Niner DNs can dominate. Matthew Sanders they suspects. To, right? Like oh, they should. For all the Chase Young conversation, like, right, he did not play. I think you and I both agree. He did not play as wet badly as people are making it out to be in that game. Like, I'm actually positive about him. If there's a game for Chase Young to put it all on the line and change how people are talking about him, he should be licking his lips against Donovan Smith and Juwan Taylor. When Tampa beat. Kansas City, they didn't have good tackles. Now, their tackles were hurt, so it was different. These guys have played right. all year. But this is the weakness of Kansas City's line, and this can be the strength of the 49ers if they could get 
um, some rush opposite Bosa, but Bosa's looked really good. Maybe, maybe Bosa could have a four or five sack game and be the uh, MVP. You know, maybe I mean, it could yeah, be that kind of day. You think he can top the 19 game? The 19 game is one of the great games I've seen a D lineman play. It's so unfortunate that Jimmy G, you know, I know. Maybe Bosa can can harass and harangue Mahomes all day. Matthew Sanders says, Spags, I have an army. Shanny, we have McCaffrey. <laughs> there you go. Uh, T&K, hunting gear. Chiefs' plan will be to run the ball down our throat. No way you don't look at the tape and not plan to run 20 to 30 times. Larry, how would you fix this run defense if you were Wilkes? I would definitely play Jair Brown. Definitely. Um, and... I would definitely play Javon Kinlaw more snaps than don't worry about the pass rush on the interior. Don't they lot Niners a lot of times play Givens and Sebastian Joseph Day. Oh, we want to get a little more push inside. What's more important is that they have Kinlaw occupying uh interior guys against the run and and they keep uh, Dre and Fred's legs, keep the O-linemen off their legs. So I, that's what I would do. I'd play Kinlaw and I would, I would, uh, uh, if I had to, if I had to, I would go five man front. If I had to, maybe in certain obvious rundowns, I'd play Armstead at defensive end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think you got to take some chances here on yeah. early downs, more chances than they've been taking. They've been a little vanilla, not really coming after anybody in these early first halves of this game. I don't think they can sit back and let Casey dictate to them, especially while the script is on, because a lead is so important to this Kansas City team. I think they need to come after him early a little bit. Krug, I think this game is going to be, I mean, like a lot of football games, is going to be won and lost on third downs. But third down specifically, I think that's another place that the Niners have to take their chances. They got to spy Mahomes because if it's man coverage, he's going to take his chances running. So you have to spy him, double Kelsey, and play man coverage across the board and say, if Rashi Rice catches, you know, six balls for 130 yards on third down and beats us versus man coverage, we'll we'll go shake their hands in the middle of the field and that happened. If, I think I would um, say to I think I would say to Ambry and Lenore and Mooney, hey gentlemen, I believe in you guys. Yeah, I I, you, I, I would pump like those guys up. Matchup, right with I, Rashi Rice, I, I do, and I also just don't love the Kansas City receivers. And I I would say to those guys, guys. I believe in you guys, and I'd pump them up. If I was Wilkes, I would tell Ambry Thomas, you're the best fucking cover corner. I wouldn't trade you for the world. Right. I don't care what's happened. I believe in you. Um, you and, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling are about to have a legendary battle on the outside. And I would make Womack active, and I would make Luter active, and I would tell all my young DBs, I believe in you guys. We are going zero. We're going to go man-to-man -man on these guys, and we're going to devote bodies to the run game and we're going to let you guys lock it up outside. I believe in you. I'd pump them full of all kinds of confidence and cross my fingers. Educate me on something, right? Cause we've gone back and forth a little bit on it, but I'm actually surprised that it's gone this far, right? The Sam Womack situation this year, when he was coming back from injury, I pointed out how he played, he played the Pittsburgh game and was pretty much benched before he got injured. So it didn't feel like the Niners were in love with him. The thing is, visually for me, it he feels like the guy on special teams, specifically as the gunner on punts, that seems to be the first guy down there downing punts. He seems to be aggressive as a gunner. He seemed to make tackles. But the Niners have been very comfortable deactivating him. Do you have any insight? I, I've been obviously – I asked Wilkes about it last week. I went on vacation and stuff, but I don't 
I haven't seen anything about why. Do you have any insight? I asked Wilkes about him last week, and I said, hey, what does Womack need to do to get on the field? And he's like, well, I don't want to – I want to look at the macro, and I don't want to focus on him, and everybody needs to do their job, and we all need to get better. I mean, he, like, doesn't want to talk about it. Clearly, they feel like he's given up pass plays, but even when he has, he's been right there. It's like, crazy. right there, and the coverage has been – you know, I would, I, I would put activate him. I would put him out there. I and I would believe in those guys. And he doesn't see feel if like you can... the guy that the moment's too big, right? Like no, if you contrast no. him to Ambry, he feels like a lot more just confident character than Ambry. Does he not? Like he yeah. feels like it doesn't affect him negative plays as much as it seems to just get into Ambry's head. Because we can talk about Ambry all we want. Ambry's had moments where he's played like starting corner football this year. Yeah, it's Jacksonville. His confidence just seems to just be such a roller coaster. Yeah. It's yeah. a Kelly I mean, all over again with the confidence. I know. He's a, he, but I mean, I don't think the Chiefs receivers can beat these guys one on one. I think the Niners physically are good enough across the board, but they, that's what I would do is I'd play, I'd play man behind and, and de- dedicate guys to the box and, see if I can play, play Kinlaw as much as possible, maybe Armstead at defensive end, and just try to give them a, a a more substantial run look up front and lean on my young DBs to make plays. And if he if Mahomes burns them with all these pass plays down the field, then uh, I'd rather live I'd rather do that than have Pacheco just run it at will against right. or you Kelsey know, do what he did, right? which was yeah. 11 out of 11 targets versus Baltimore. Are you kidding me? No, can't happen. That can't happen. That's a good one, though. I like that one, T&H hunting gear. Uh, Todd Trance is 49ers beat Green Bay and Detroit, who both beat Kansas City. They're good. I will say this. Kansas City does not provide as much difficulty weapon-wise. In you know, doesn't put the kind of pressure that Green Bay and Detroit put on you. Mahomes does. Right. And Reed's going to call a much better game um than those guys but uh i think personnel wise they may have already played two teams that have better personnel um glass city says should hargrave oh, be a third down specialist what's that he's yeah, kind use, of on your wave yeah use uh kinlaw and armstead on base downs what do you make a hargrave man they they gave him the bag the, last week he's going against awasika yeah they combo blocked him a few times i thought hargrave was going to party he was almost unheard of in the game unheard from i'm really down on hargrave right now he's been up and down the entire year right like he was another guy during the three-game losing streak like every when the conversation was all brock purdy he was another guy who was playing very poorly i think he didn't record a sat versus the cincinnati Bengals. turned out he was a little bit hurt he was dealing with something then he came back and started playing better i don't know that he's playing bad right now crew but it goes to what you're talking about they gave him the bag to not just be another rotational defensive player. They gave him a bag to be a secondary star, to constantly be disruptive and impacting the game. And I remember the guy in Philadelphia. I was very high on the guy in Philadelphia. I was so excited when they signed him because the guy in Philadelphia was constantly disruptive. I don't find this guy to be constantly disruptive. In fact, the number I feel like his into his um, neutral zone infraction penalties or offside penalties probably equate to his pressures in just about every game. That's what it feels like. And I, I, that is somewhat condescending. It's not exactly the case, but I think that it is frustrating to see him paid like a star to look at him as an impact game changing piece. 
and then just get ordinary impact from him? Maybe that's the harsh question for Wilkes this week. You know, you guys are paying Hargrave like a star. Is he giving you a star performance? Just ask that. That's that's a Wilkes question because I've heard Kyle Shanahan and Mike Tomlin talking about this. Mike Tomlin has a coach, has a quote, and I've heard Shanahan refer to it and McVay as well because they worked with Tomlin in Tampa. So maybe this originates from their group there that the mark of a great coach isn't getting a C player to play like a B player. He said every coach can do that. It's to get your A players to play like eight players. A players, excuse me, on a night in and night out. So when Mike Tomlin, I heard him say this quote, I think it was on the Pivot podcast, he was referring to Raheem Morris, who's his buddy, right? He's his pal from his time in Tampa Bay. And he was saying his thing of whether he thinks Raheem Morris will be a good coach, this was before he was the coordinator in 2021, would be if he can get Aaron Donald to play his best, if he can get Jalen Ramsey to play his best, because these are already his stars. So in the case of this particular question, from Shanahan's point of view, or at least the one he's described to us publicly, it's on Wilkes to get A-plus production out of a player they're paying A-plus money to in Javon Hargrave. A-plus production out of a Fred Warner, who is an A-plus talent. I mean, he might view it as argumentative, but he'd have to, at the end of the day, he'd have to at least respect the directness. He's done it, though, right? He's gotten Mooney Ward, A player, to play like an A player. He's been outstanding this year. He's gotten a B, maybe probably a B player in in Diamondor Lenore to play like a B-plus player. He has elevated some of these guys. There's also some of these guys that have fallen off. It'd be an interesting conversation. You should ask it, though. I'm going to have to ask some tough questions this week, for sure, and maybe that's one of them. Krug, uh, Krug's coming. He's gonna. Yeah. He's Krug's ant- get, Oh, dude, I'm, I'm I'm the one who asked the fl- the uh, Jair Brown question last week. I'm like Jair Brown, man. I mean, right. I heard you, know? you ask it, and he's like, "Well, you know, we're gonna have to see." And he knew exactly what I was getting at. I mean, right. I'll, I'll go as far as to say, I'll say this: I don't think the Niners win this game if they don't make that adjustment this week. I agree. There were a lot of tackles. I didn't think he played. I'm not, look. He had ten tackles. He's Five he's sold. a young player. He's a young player. He's a he's a developing player. I still think he makes mistakes, but there were times from depth that he had to make tackles at the end of long runs in the alley. Right, turn a ten yard run, stop it at ten yards. Don't allow it to become a 12, 15, 20-yard run, right? Like the Aaron Jones 60-yard run, Logan Ryan could have made the tackle in the alley for about 18 yards. Still a big run, but it's not back-breaking like the 60-yard run. Jair Brown made those tackles in the first half versus Detroit. You're right. He will hurl his body around. Flaves is what really would have happened if we'd gotten Brady in 2020. Our entire team was decimated by injuries that year. Can't see how we would have won with him. And was he good enough to win after that year? I agree. I, I, I think agree. things would have gotten gone differently, though, had they got Brady. There's just something different about how things happen for that man, man. That's true. But, you know, just based on the way it actually went down, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a fair question. Uh, Joey Mellon says, ooh, the Vish Krug combo on a Tuesday. Oh, is dude, it a good I mean, ooh or is it like a ooh? Vish no, I think, it's a, I think it's a good ooh. Uh, I, know, I know a good ooh and a bad ooh. Uh, no. Um, no, you know, Vish, this is the, you know, Vish and I've done, did like what, almost a year, a year of just the two of us. And then we went with the the trio, but I figured with things getting down to the nitty gritty, Niner fans need more content and me and Vish can, uh, can really cook in some of these two hour shows. The pace is, I mean, mean, Krug, Krug, we had these going during the off season and you know, I love your, well, you and me, when we, we, our pace is is freaking fast. Yeah, we go. It top moves. Top it it yeah. goes. It goes. Yeah. So I like that. 
Uh, sometimes in the three mans, I love the three man. I mean, me, you and Jesse go Thursday night. Um, coach joined us for a while when you were uh, out of town. Um, and the three mans are really cool, but uh, the pace, you know, just out of respect to be like kind of topics. What do you think? You All right. What you do you can't think? go back and forth on the three man because you lose the third guy. So yeah, that's yeah, why it slows it down because it has to go from me to you to Jesse or from Jesse to you to me. And then we can start the back and forth. And by the time we're there, everybody's tired. And that's why you we know, go for three hours. The best way to do the three man, and we probably should do this, is instead of us all commenting on every topic, we should just, you know, Flip it to each other. Let's give yeah, it a try. Or just like, Thursday. just like, hey, you know, hey, Vish, what do you think of this? All right, now let's go to the, hey, Jesse, what do you think of that? As opposed to, now, True. what do you think of this, Jesse? We're here with you. You're hosting it on Thursday. I'd I love to give that format a try. If you want, I we know. can test run it. Let yeah, us we know. Should try, we should try that. Um, we got this one from Flav. He says, um, think public, first of all, did I put that up there? I did, didn't I? Um, and then this yeah, one, the, this think one. public goes Mahomes chiefs. Yeah. I like that. We've eked out wins and they've looked dominant. If our D line actually shows up, we're winning this. I placed the biggest bet I've ever made. 20 K 20 K. Whoa. Slave. 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 Slave is doing two things on that. 20 K is really one. flexing. Right. There we go. That's the second part. Flames just putting it out there that he rolls different from the rest of us. Damn. Damn. Hope you use promo code Krug on that bet. Now I kind of feel like the 999's a slap in my face. You know, yeah, I mean 20K. You're throwing man. 20K? No, Woo! I'm just joking, bro. Thank you for Good the for super. You. I hope you win big money, Flav. I Seriously. hope you win big money. Get another dog or two, right? Flav's got the two big dogs. Front row says, um, are the are the best three corners. For the Super Bowl, Mooney, Demo, and Logan Ryan. I think regardless of Ambry's health, that might be the best three with Ryan at nickel. Right. That's possibly, but you know, the one thing is Ryan doesn't, he's 33 or whatever. And Ambry's Ambry's probably their best athlete corner. He he's runs the best and he's probably their best hitter. Wilk says he thinks he's their best run defender corner. So when he sees it, he's the most aggressive in terms of coming down and hitting it for sure. Yeah. It's interesting because like we answered this question at the beginning of the show. Right. And I, I honestly Krug, it's like easy to look at those 12 snaps and bring it up as a question, but those were 12 snaps from Logan Ryan at the end of the day. And the big question for Logan Ryan at nickel, which we didn't really get to see in those 12 snaps is can he run? Can they play him at man coverage and nickel? Cause he, can he run? Because the issue with Oliver was he couldn't run with anybody. He couldn't run with anybody. And so that's why they like Lenore in there because Ambry, for all his faults, he can run with everybody. Now, he might run into somebody and tackle them when the ball's in the air, but he can run with them for sure. So it's hard to say. It's I'm going to build up Ambry this week. I'm going to go up to Ambry. I'm going to build him up because I, I got a good dialogue with him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, hey, bro, you got this, man. You got this. You can lock in. You can lock up anybody. You I can am play with anybody. I, I will say I'm shocked that Wilkes said that he's their number one run defending corner. That's yeah, interesting. He said that. I figured it was like week five or week six, but he said it. Um, that's a good question, though. Zachary Kelway says I would su- I would I would sew my face to my buttonhole to have a fonga on the field Button for this hole. game. <laughs> butthole. Oh god. <laughs> uh that's a the imagery on that Zachary that's is very crazy. strong. That's crazy. Uh yeah, I miss a fonga. I miss a fonga. You know where you miss a fonga is that 
in obvious run situations, Hafanga did so much great film work that he would attack the mesh point in the backfield as if he knew the play. Uh, you know, I mean, and who does that? Nobody's done that since. Um, so his film study, I think, I think uh, Hafanga might be their smartest defender. Um, yeah, they also miss his energy, right? He was yeah. just another crazy high energy, high compete guy. Oh, there yeah. you go. Krug's bringing his energy with the with the Talanoa. Yeah. Talanoa is a freaking awesome dude too, by the way. He's just I know they're, you know, we we're not we're supposed to not really care who's a good guy, who's not a good guy, but I'll tell you, man, that guy is that the guy. kind of guy that, you know, I would put my life in that guy's hands. You know, I would, I, that's the kind of guy you want to marry your daughter. That's the kind of guy that you really feel like you can really lean on. I mean, he is solid, solid. I mean, just a really solid human being. Uh, Rohan said same ref as in 2019 Super Bowl, Bill Vinovich. I'm expecting Bosa to get held all day without it being called. Oh my God, man. Rohan, don't put that out there, man. That's where Shanahan's got to have a pre-show, you know, conversation, right? That's where he's got to go. He's got to, he's got to say, "Hey, man, watch this. Watch." Uh, this. He's got to play that gamesmanship, right? Whatever gamesmanship got Andy Reid to call those two neutral zone infraction penalties on Bosa. I'm not letting it go, Krug. I'm going to be hammering that point for the next two weeks because I want it brought up. I want it being talked about. Whatever he did to do that, Shanahan needs to do the same thing. Hey, Krug, I, I rumor has it that Mahomes commits a penalty every time he receives the snap. What's that? How? Rumor. I, let's make something up. What do you oh, think? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but hey, that might be a good out, one. That might be a good Mahomes. That might be a good question for Shanahan at some point during the week. It's like, hey, are you going to talk to Vinovich about the ridiculous oh, holding right, that went on in right. the last Super Bowl? Right. Or how about even sending them video of that and just say, be on the lookout for this because this happened last time and it's cost us and I don't want it to fucking cost us again. Uh, how about that? Harold McAllister says, why not sign Jordan Willis? Krug I've gotten this question a bunch. to do that since the offseason. Crew yeah, wanted I, to bring him back in the first place. I don't understand what's not to like he was i remember last year standing in the locker room and i'm standing there next to demo lenore and drake jackson and i said who's the most underrated player in the room and drake is looking around the room and demo's like jordan willis just say jordan willis jordan willis and it's like jordan willis runs four five he's a great guy um i don't get it I don't He's part get of one of the most iconic plays now in recent Niners history. He's been on the street. Has, isn't he on the street or is he on somebody's practice so. squad? I thought so. I thought so. I, I pro I'm sorry. I've not been keeping up to date with Jordan Willis the way I usually uh, tend to keep up to date. with Jordan. I mean, you would think that if uh, he was out there, they would grab him. Cryptic says uh, Brock didn't have his best game against Baltimore and Cleveland. And now he faces another top D on, in the biggest game. Um, who do you think he should rely on? Is that like which skill weapon is going to have a big game? Krug, obviously it's always CMC, but for me, this this is a Debo game. I think it's going to be a tougher game for IU because I think they're Sneed and McDuffie are going to press him and they're going to you know get in his face off the line of scrimmage. He's going to have his opportunities to make plays because they'll take their chances in man coverage, but those are two really good corners. They're going to battle him. To me, this is a game where Debo's physicality, Debo's ability to make plays after the catch is such an X factor. He also just shows up in these kinds of games. 
He was a problem. They didn't want to tackle him in the last Super Bowl. He was outstanding versus the Lions. To me, this is a game where it's the same two rookies from 2019. The two rookies you could argue like were the two that flipped it around, Debo and Bosa. Bosa in round one, Debo in round two. Those are the two guys that got to do it for me. Bosa on defense and Debo on offense. What do you think? Oh, man, it's a really, it's a tough one. I mean, you know, you got Bolton, who's such a phenomenal middle backer. He runs so well. Right. Um, Sneed is a true dominating outside corner. He'll be on Ayuk, I would imagine. Then you got whoever's in the nickel is you know going against Trent McDuffie. Isn't he an all-pro nickel? He is an all-pro nickel, but... But and you got, and you got Chris think, Jones. I do think that's a physically imposing matchup for Juwan Jennings that I like. Because the one thing about McDuffie is a really good player, really good athlete, unreal feet when he came out of Washington, really smooth mover. He's not like the most physical guy. Sneed is a lot more scrappy and physical than McDuffie. And dude, is there a more physical guy in these playoffs than Juwan Jennings? Is there a guy that plays with more heart, just more compete, just more want to and energy than Juwan Jennings. Like I think Jennings is a guy that can have his way with Snead. Now they don't go to him enough for him to have like a drastic impact, but I do see him making a couple of two, a couple of key catches in this game. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, maybe it's Kittle against Tranquil or Leo Chanel. If Willie Gay can't go, maybe it's Kittle, you know, maybe, maybe. it's, maybe it's Tranquil. You think um, they'll, you think they'll make a concerted effort to get Kittle the ball. Cause it feels like when Debo McCaffrey, and Ayuk and Kittle have all played together. Like Kittle is the primary or the guy they're trying to get the ball to on the least instances. Like I feel like a lot of their offense is just around getting the ball to 19 and 23 naturally. And then when they throw it, they try to get favorable routes for Ayuk. So I don't know that maybe they bring the big Kittle game out of nowhere finally because he's just such a star. Maybe this is the game that Kittle right. pushes past Kelsey as the uh, as the as the best tight end in the game and wins the MVP. Ooh. I might want to feature Kittle, especially if it was tranquil, because otherwise I don't, I don't, I don't love some of those matchups. I mean, I think this is why yeah, they're Kansas, stars, right? McDuffie's City's a star. Got a lot. I mean, yeah. A star. Jones is a star. Yeah, I mean, uh, Justin Reed is a stud. Justin how are they going to stud? How are they going to handle Jones? You, you don't. You I mean, you have. Is there to, anything you have... that you can do to Jones? He plays left defensive tackle. So and he's going is, up against he's going up against uh, Feliciano. The thing with Jones Krug maybe Feliciano's got not, his number. Oh no, I don't think so. Because the thing with Jones Krug, it's not that he'll be dominant the entire game. Like he'll they'll bat passes down. Right. They'll they'll but they'll get their opportunities to make plays on his side. Like they'll have a plan for him. But he came through right. Like the play Josh Allen missed the throw versus versus the Bills. It was Chris Jones's pressure that caused it, right? Like the Niners, like in those plays, who sacked Joe Burrow last year um, in the big moment? Like 95 high leverage situations, he just comes through closing the game with sacks. Uh, he's, he's one of the greatest defensive players of all time. I mean, in my opinion. Sure. I Yeah, I think this dynasty is built on the fact that they have arguably the greatest tight end. A guy who looks on his way to becoming, you know, the greatest, if not the second greatest quarterback. One of the greatest. If you, asked, if you said who's the best player, who's better, Aaron Donald or Chris Jones against the Niners, it's Chris Jones. Yeah, it's that power, right? Because Donald, 
is a lot of things. He has power, but he's just not that like mammoth 6'5", 330 that nobody can handle. So they can get him with the misdirection stuff, get him on weird angles and just try to contain him for the entirety of the game. Chris Jones just has moments where no matter what you do, he just picks up the guy in front of him and throws him back and sack does bad. Does, is the guy ever get hurt? No. He doesn't even get tired, Krug. I mean, he missed the entire offseason and showed up week one in Florida and played every snap. He's so hostile when they're not playing at this crazy breakneck speed that he looks scary. Like if, when you see him on the sideline yelling at his teammates, he looks like he would kill them if they didn't play harder. I mean, he seriously, he looks. I've, I don't know if I've ever seen a guy look that that quite that hostile on the sidelines. I mean, he I, is well, I don't know. You would know better than me, but Lawrence Taylor was a pretty scary looking dude in all the videos. It's in that same vein. It's absolutely in that same vein. Lobs all day. I promise you all 49ers. I promise you all 49ers are winning it all. Let's go, Lobs. Tell them. Damn you, Lobs. I hope you're right. I hope you're right, brother. Lobs all uh, day. I was, I was high on Brock Purdy from the first day I laid my eyes on his college tape. Hey, he was. He got a lot of hate on Twitter. Shout out to you, Lobs. Wait, really? Go. Yeah, he was. He really was. Good for him. People thought it was a troll job, Krug. He was right there with you. Damn. Shout I even I, that's even be, that sounds hate. like before. That sounds like yeah, before me. The where I respect Lobs is he he stood in the face of a lot of fires for that take back then, and you know he. he My revelation it. on Purdy came between draft day and minicamp. Because that's when my scouting buddy sent I know, me I the, remember, the video. Because I did a show with you after the draft. You were so unhappy they picked him. So I went unhappy. on vacation. I, I wasn't sure if I was streaming anymore. And you coaxed me to come back to stream. And we're into like the third preseason game. And I'm showing up with this crappy light in my new apartment. And you're like, so this Purdy guy just looks like a superstar, right? And I was like, yeah, he looks like a pretty good quarterback, you know? It's like, what do you think your career outlook will be for him? And I was like thinking like, you know, I'm being very complimentary to the guy. Colt McCoy had a 15-year NFL career, a 14-year NFL career, who as a backup, like he was a good player for a long time. So I throw Colt McCoy out there. You know, he's a year removed from beating the Niners and Levi's. And you're like, <laughs> that's crazy, Colt McCoy. And then I'm like, oh my God, was that crazy? Then you go to Drew Brees. So then I'm like, you're crazy. And now look at the start of his career. Dude, seriously. I was crazy. Yeah, Drew Brees. And Willie Sneed said it to me in the locker room last year. He's like, dude, I played with Drew Brees. He reminds me of Drew Brees. Did Whitner um, also tell you what he thought of Tolzine, though? What's that? He, he liked Tolzine? Whitner, don't, do you not remember Whitner used to call Tolzine baby Brees? Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, Scott I'm, Tolzine. Tolzine. He was good at Wisconsin. He was good at Wisconsin. He was good in the preseason. He was good versus the Niners when he was on the Chargers. Yeah. For that preseason game. Heck, uh, Colt McCoy completed 85% against the Niners in that game and yeah. beat the Niners. James I remember that. Connor has never been more unstoppable. That was when I was like, oh, my God. You know, the 85%. I went to that game, dude. Oh, my God. That so was a low depressing. point. That, they went, they still had a good year, though, right? They won up yeah, the NFC Championship. The playoffs. Yeah. yeah, and the NFC Championship. David they beat Sante. Dallas and Dallas. Yeah. They beat Green Bay and Green Bay. Yeah. It was like almost the perfect year. Yeah, unbelievable. David Sante with the super sticker. There you go. Flav back with this one. He says, a quarterback that's a better runner than passer will likely never win a Super Bowl. Cap probably got closer than any other quarterback will because teams didn't really know how to beat RPO quarterbacks then. They do now. Lamar is equals overrated. Wow. 
Um, I don't know about overrated, but I'll say this. Wade um, made some big money on the Chiefs last week, and I can feel it. If you make him play from the pocket, you got a much better chance to beat him. John Chisari says, Larry Vish, the NFC champs made me $7,800 richer. Vegas has the Niners as a two-point favorite. Chiefs losing Charles Menny, who's a big blow to the Chiefs. Agreed. I agree. I absolutely Agreed. agree. Dude, seven sacks in 11 games. Is that what he had? I think that's what he had, right? You know, many of you. I know he was unbelievable. If I, you know, that's another name. Stat, I apologize, but it's he was, funny. He we, was unbelievable for that. We we've talked endlessly this year about how the Niners' run D is not the same, and I always name a bunch of guys. I've never named him. Dude, Charles Amenahieu was a major part of their edge setting combo. So was Ebukam, man. And and also their games that they played with their NASCAR package when they mm-hmm. stunted left and right. He could you could line him up in out. He was great. Right. He, was, he was like, if you remember, part of them struggling in 2021 was they were all, unable to generate interior pressure, right? And they kicked Armstead inside and Armstead pushed the pocket. But at the beginning of 2021, you went to the NASCAR package, they kicked Arden Key inside and Arden Key started becoming disruptive. And then they continued to do that with Charles Amenahue, having him play both outside and inside the next year. They missed that versatile, smaller guy who can create penetration and constant pressure from inside. Javon Hargrave was supposed to be that, but, or Javon, but yeah, you know, but it, I mean, so far, not, not so much. John no. Chaseris is also Fortnite offense is superior unit to Kansas city's no Tyreek this time. However, the same ref is the head ref from 2019 call holding penalties. Yeah. Oh, I know it's been a theme. Uh, Flav says the flag on the, Fluke to Ayuk kind of felt like one they throw just in case it was intercepted just to make sure the game stays interesting. I don't know. I think if it's intercepted, the call stands. I don't know. I didn't. I thought that was just an unbelievable play by the corner. If you go back and look at the decision, the we fact that it deflects him. off the court. Yeah, but I felt like he was tracking the ball. Ayuk was tracking the ball. I, I don't know, Krug. There's something about when you play two invert and you're asking your corner to run from the boundary to the deep half and he runs the deep half and outruns the post and stays over the top of it the entire time, he's got to get some credit. It's unfortunate that it turns into a helmet deflection turn catch because the decision's not even a bad one either by Purdy. Like, you got to you take your chance there. It's just an unreal play by the corner. An yeah. unreal play by the corner. And what, what, what unbelievable uh, concentration by Ayuk. Right. right. Says, How and many- the heads up to not give up on the play. And you know what? Let's be honest. That's what we saw for this summer from Ayuk was every ball. He was acting like it was his personal ball. And he just, he just made so many great catches this summer. So it was great to see that one. Flav says, how many games did uh, going for, uh, going for it on fourth down really win them this year versus lose them? I would like to know it cost them the biggest games I saw. I don't know. Yeah, That's but they question. won the they won the Rams game that way, right? They were aggressive in the Rams game. The Rams weren't in the playoffs. Yeah. Daryl 49er for life smocks is let's not forget Kyle did the same thing in the 2019 Super Bowl. He went away from the run and to Jimmy G throwing the ball, and that's why we lost the Super Bowl. If we're up in this game, let's hope he doesn't do it again. Um, yeah. Run Brady won't make those mistakes, man. No. If they get that same exact game scenario, like he's if more you of a finisher. Jimmy 2019. They win that game with a lot of different quarterbacks, and they win it especially with Purdy. Jimmy G was—he just wasn't it, man. No, Jimmy G was not it. Batman twenty nine. Larry, put up the Niner flags before you go to Vegas. 
Um, I will be bringing some Niner flags with me to Vegas so I can hang them in the background of um, all the streams that we do from locations. So uh, there'll be a couple Niner flags with us in Vegas. Yeah, we're headed to, Ve- headed to Vegas. Uh, we'll be there, I believe, Tuesday through Saturday. I'm not sure if I'm going to stay for the game yet, Congrats. but uh, awesome. definitely we'll be there. Oh Flay and, and Kev will be rolling. Kev will be there as well. Flav, look at Flav. He says, Larry, how much free pig in a pickle would it take for you to do a three-way with Hensley and Stats? <laughs> three-way show. Um, heck, I don't I, I would do it. I mean, I like both those guys. I know you don't believe me, but I do. I actually like both those guys. Um, you know, I don't know that we're those guys like me, but um I like stats and Ryan and I have talked. We we have an understanding. We do. Um, you know, Ryan's a bit, Ryan is not a bad guy. And I, I feel bad because, you know, we all make our football predictions, right? And when you're right, you, you know, people credit you. And when you're wrong, they come after you. And, you know, so he, he was wrong on his Lance take, um, and wrong about Purdy, but you know what? It's just football people. It's just football. Ryan's a good guy with a good family that he loves and cares about. He's trying to put out good content. He had Mike Singletary on the other day. Um, he's a good dude. He's a good dude. Now we've had our moments. He's we've both said some some terrible things, um, but I consider him a friend. And if if uh, if I see him in Vegas, I will definitely have a beer with him. And um, and we've not we've not streamed together for the last time. We will we will stream again together. Um, and I just you know it, it's a lot of it's just. I'm a big mouth know-it-all, uh, and too many. I think he's taken. Let's just say this: he's taken too much, too much negative. Was he right? No, but so what? It's a football take, you know. It's a football take. Um, I'm not always right. Vish is smart as hell. He's not always right. Never. Jesse's really good at this. He's not always right. Grant has got more subs than almost anybody. He's not always right. The great Lombardi is growing by leaps and bounds. He's not always right. That's not true. He's been right at every account. Well, he's right. Man. He's always right. No, no. no but I mean, I'm, you know what I'm saying? Everybody, me. we're all me. human. Yeah, we're all yeah. human. Nobody's always right. But I, I, you know, I would, I would love to stream with uh, Hensley and stats. And maybe if the Niners win the Super Bowl that week after, We'll just do a Peaches and Herb reunited, and it feels so good. Look at that. That would be awesome. Wouldn't that be good? I think, yeah, I think if the Niners win a Super Bowl, you will see that there will be a lot less beefs because everybody will be less on edge. Everybody will be less frustrated about these football takes. Everybody will have them feeling less personal because I I get it at the end of the day, Krug. We're all grinding. As much as it's easy to say, like, it's just a football take. It's not personal. Like, shoot, I sometimes get the same reaction on Twitter when so-and-so tweets at me and says, Vish, you're an idiot. You don't know this. Like, how do you know it? Like, you want to go right back at them. It's natural. it, it, It happens. It's hard to do this, um, but yeah, it's it, it happens. I'm glad that you guys have you know are in a good place, and I would love to see that stream. I would tune in. I'm yeah. a fan of this. I consume Niners content. I, I yeah. try to tell that to everybody. I consume this stuff. I would one million percent watch the stream. All three of you my, are my friends, but as a just pure consumer of content, I would watch this stream one hundred percent. 
Yeah. And you know what? It will happen. It will happen. So Flav, I know Flav's being funny there, but it will happen. Flav's his Chiefs record record with fin- Vinovich is five and two. Niners record is three and five. Do the Chiefs have a bad record with any referee though? I feel like they beat <laughs> everybody know, with the hose that yeah. What's FML? F for, for no, my, F my life. Oh, F the my guy, life. The guy has 20 k You better take game, the whistle dude. out of his he's ass this time you, around. He's giving you $5 so you can console him and be like, Vinovich is going to help you out, Flav. If I see Vinovich in a in a club in Vegas during the week, I'll slip him a 20 spot and say, hey, Vinovich, <laughs> make it happen. Uh, wouldn't that be incredible? Lobs all day says Niners must go cover one. Press man on rundown. Stop playing too high when you can't stop the run, Wilkes. Go too high, disguise, blitz on passing downs. The one thing that Wilkes did do, and I forget who highlighted it, but he he did show um, you know, different looks in this game against Detroit and then rotate into a different look post snap. He he Shout showed both Rich Madrid he, and Johnny Dell. They post he, I saw they posted. Did you see that? Where they yeah. where the one where Goff thought they were in zone or thought they were in man, but they were really in a zone. Right. Or when they had the three three deep look and Gip, Gibson comes down and they play Tampa two with Gibson being the middle runner in Tampa two. They had some cool coverage rotations. They had them versus Green Bay too in key leverage situations where they spooked Jordan Love with calls. But I think Lobs is right about them needing to be more aggressive early because that was kind of the Alex Smith point, right? If they take yeah. their chances being vanilla early, like we talked about it at the beginning of the show, Ben Johnson and the Lions had their number and you you would expect Andy Reid and Mahomes to do the same. I think the key to this for game crew is the Niners need to be aggressive. Steve Wilkes needs to be aggressive. He needs to take the game and dictate to them because the Chiefs tend to dictate games with their defense because Spags is super aggressive, and then Andy Reid and Mahomes do that. And then Shanahan needs to be aggressive. They can win this game with their offense, Krug. Their offense in is more explosive than the Chiefs. Yes, the and Chiefs make them Mahomes. play fast. Don't let right. them dominate the time of possession. Right, right. but the make Chiefs them play Mahomes, fast. But they don't have those kinds of weapons. In a shootout-style game, like Alex Smith said, it 100% suits the 49ers. I don't think the Chiefs have beaten anybody that has scored 20 points on them this year. Somebody correct me on that because that was just me briefly looking at their box scores and looking at all their games. But I don't think they've beaten anybody that scored 20 points on them this year. Um, and so they, the Niners can score on them. Shanahan needs to be aggressive, though. They're going to win this game with their offense. Obviously, you don't get too risky, but he needs to maximize chances for his offense. They beat the Jets 23-20. They beat the Vikings 27-20. Okay. But that's it. Okay, so more than 20 points. That's it. More than 20 points. Because they have included, I said more oh, than they, in the preseason. That doesn't count. So they beat, yeah, they they basically the, this is their point total. This is what their defense has allowed in their wins this year: 12, 17, 17, 17, 14, 17, 8, 20, 20, 10, 9. To me, the key number is 24. If the Niners can get to 24, they're gonna win this game. Yeah, I agree. Well, it seems like if they score more than 20 based yeah. on the regular season, man, I, I sometimes I get lucky with this stuff. I look no, at I mean, it, no, it's I, I see well, the box score. Well, no, it's because your sense of it. You you know, you follow it every day, and then your sense of it is is spot on because you kind of, you know, it's not like you got to stare at every every uh, schedule to know it. You're just, that's your sense of it. There might have been one aberrant 
aberration, but basically your point was salient. Um, it's salient too, Krug. This, like I love that? when the eloquent, eloquent Krug comes out. Oh, yeah. We said, we said, by the way, we said an hour thirty minutes. We're closing on two hour thirties. Let's get these. I know. Let's and, get these and we'll yeah. get out. We'll get these because well, we're back on Thursday. I know. Trey Niner says, well, look at us. Why are the Niners sticking with the wide nine? It's horrendous against the run. They have to change this for the Super Bowl, but I doubt they will. This is what they go with. This is what they who they are. Flav says, I did make a lot on the KC game, went big on the second half after I saw it was the same old playoff. Lamar gave a lot back through, though, on the Niners. That last golf touchdown was a backbreaker. Thought the we had the sweaty backdoor cover got poor Flav. That's this. bad. Yeah. Just never tell us about the losses, Flav. Just pretend you're on top. Lobs all day says KC's defense is susceptible to misdirection and trick plays. Well, you know what? That's a great point, Lobs, because teams that have great pursuit speed are susceptible mm -hmm. to misdirection, and that's exactly what they have. So that's a great point. But they will also personnel. start timing. They'll also start timing blitzes straight into the motion. Like they'll, if you start dictating that this to them, they did this in the first Super Bowl game where it's like, okay, you're gonna move around like f your motion. We're gonna start blitzing right into your motion, and we're gonna create chaos. So there, it is a little bit of a double-edged sword. By the way, Larry, well, and the chat's telling us that they scored twenty. Bills scored twenty-four. So my stat kind of got ruined because uh, they beat the Bills scoring twenty-four. I don't remember them scoring. I did. Well, oh, I yeah, thought that yeah. was twenty to seventeen. No, it was 27-24. 27-24. Oh, well, but you're basically right. It's now. one aberration. That's one yeah. aberration. Okay. Um. By the going, way, going back to I, what was the point I just made? You had something to respond to that. Well, though, I was just gonna say, yeah, I was gonna say that in the red zone on in on the goal line, the one thing that I've seen consistently from Andy Reid is if he gives you eye candy going east-west, go uh, anticipate that they're going opposite of the eye candy. So if they're giving you lots of eye candy pre-snap, that they're going right at, on the goal line, they're coming left. Don't They almost never outthink that. They almost always do that. The eye, They go opposite the eye candy on the goal line. So just know that's a read trend. Um, and I may bring that up to Wilkes as well this week because he knows. I know he's got to know that. Too much sauce Krug's is doing, getting, Krug's doing whatever he can. I'm trying to. He's I'm trying to. I'm, I'm, gonna, at 20. I'm flipping Vinovich at 20. I'm talking up Ambry Thomas at his locker. I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm telling uh, Wilkes about the game plan in public. I may have to tell Purdy that, you know, the, the radio people in Kansas City said that you're the weakest link. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, too much sauce is Kinlaw and Young going to have good Super Bowl performances. Um, we hope. I think I Kinlaw young will. Man. Young has that talent, man. No doubt. He, he can do it. Flaves says Hensley has to have me on for a show because of my bet that Darnold would start more games than Trey this year. I'm going to insist you join us, Larry. Would be a dream of mine for you to be there with us. I'm there. I'm there. You know what's crazy in all of that, though? I was thinking about it, not not specifically about Ryan and Flav, but I was thinking back to that conversation. Do you remember the back and forth when Adam Schefter said that he guarantees that Sam Darnold will be the backup? Like, he put a guarantee on it before training camp and all of that. And now people understand, because you and I remember we're having questions before the show. 
And I would constantly ask the same question. I remember this irritated a lot of people, but I always ask the same question. Where did they go out on Trey Lance? And they're like, what do you mean they're out on Trey Lance? And I'd be like, all of this they say doesn't sound like they're in on Trey Lance. And then, of course, people would forget what I say because you took it a step further and where you were like, they're going to trade Trey Lance. And then they got on you. But I remember Schefter said that and people got so mad. And I, the reason I remembered it today, because Schefter said Ben Johnson wasn't going to be like, it wasn't as set in stone for him to become a head coach. And it turned right. out to be correct. I was thinking in my head, like, oh my God, the most correct media guy in my lifetime, even though he can be a sellout sometimes was correct again. Shocker. And I was reminded of that particular quote. It's so funny because that quote was so right on. And as we get more and more information, we realize that it was less of a quarterback battle. Like a lot of our speculation at the time, there was no was battle. Correct. Right. Yeah. It oh, was it was correct. No, yeah. There was no battle at all. In fact, they were going to go with anybody it, 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 in reality. They were, they were going to go with anybody but Trey Lance. Yeah, as their backup. It was unfortunate. It they wasn't. Strung it could have been Allen. Quarterback got healthy. Could have been Darnold. Could have been Brady. Could have been Purdy. Could it would have anybody but Trey Lance. In a way, I feel bad for the kid because he got dragged. He got well, he dragged along he for so long. Earlier. He yeah, he should have. They ruined he his had year. Those conversations, though. Unfortunately, they also didn't have enough healthy quarterbacks where they could trade him at the time. So they kind of strung him along. It's the ugly business of the NFL, man. It's, it's nasty. And they said they were, you know, wanted to do right by him. But in reality, if they really wanted to do right by him, they would have moved him early. Um, but they didn't, they, they wanted to do right by themselves. They kinda, right. And then floor. Remember we talked about the Florio speculation of Kirk cousins for Trey Lance during the combine that was being discussed. Not to rehash well, it before the, the and, Super And then Bowl. they were disingenuous. I gotta be honest. They were disingenuous with their, we still believe in Trey. You're, you're not trading the Dallas Cowboys, a great young quarterback at any point for any reason, if you really believe in him. That's just lip service. That was lip it was, service. It was an unfortunate. It's an unfortunate situation because it just was never the right fit for either of them, and it just didn't work. It yeah. just didn't work. They decided it didn't work, and it was the unfortunate kid deserved better than yeah. the kid deserved better. Of course, better. of course. That I agree. I and that's what I will always say. Like the way it went down for him, it shouldn't have to go down like that for no. a first round quarterback drafted at twenty years old. It sucks. Who's it's that kind of a kid? He Lobs handled himself all, well throughout. Oh, it, he did, though. and he's not done. Lobs all day said Wilkes did it, did that a couple of times in the second half. He did not disguise enough, and did not adjust fast enough. And Gregory Naramore just says, "Hey, ten spot," just because. Hey, I'm there Gregory go. Naramore, and I'm and I'm got, I got the big $10. G. All right, Vish, you said, and I don't know if you still have time to do it because now I've kept you forever. But you said you were going to watch Senior Bowl practices. I'm going to go watch yeah. Senior Bowl practices. Today was the one drill that I really love watching. It's the O-line, D-line behind where they go one-on-one, -on -one, right? Right. And, and you get to see their butt. There is a oh, bunch. Like you get there, to see that end zone view. Yeah. there. You know, there's a bunch of great tackles in this draft that are going in the first round. Guys that are at the Senior Bowl. Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma, who I was talking to Trent Williams about in the locker room the other day. He really likes him. Taliesi Fuaga from Oregon State. Great player. Kingsley Sumatea from BYU, freaky athlete. But I'm going to tell you three offensive linemen that are not going in the first round, offensive tackles that you like that I love. Are they in the senior bowl? So I can keep and an they're eye in the senior bowl, and you can okay, see them today cool. at practice. Uh Javon Foster from Missouri. 
Okay. Uh, super strong hands, good wide base, a really, really good player. Um, Christian Jones from Texas, who's 6'6", 320, didn't even play. He was a soccer player until his junior year of high school in Houston. And he's an academic All-American. He's a six-year starter. He's working on his master's. Does this um, guy not sound like Niners resume? Yeah, I mean, and he's got great movement skills. He's 6'6", 320, he looked great. And then the uh, third guy is the Michigan kid, Ladarius Henderson, who was the ASU transfer. Mm -hmm. He wore 73, played left tackle this year for Michigan, 6'4", 315 from Wakahachi, Texas. I don't like the Harbaugh offensive lineman, man. You do or don't? I don't. Okay, with this kid. You remember this, all the Stanford ones when they came out? Jonathan I know, Josh Martin. Garnett. Yeah, no, this guy, this guy though, has got great movement. He's already got his degree. He's also working on his master's. Incredibly physical runner, 35 inch arms, super 35 smart. 35 inch arms. 35 and a half Jackson, inch arms. Trump, Larry, Larry. You know, I'll tell you, this guy's got some vines on him, man. He's got some vines, and when he puts those those vice grips on you, you're not going anywhere, Lowry. I'll tell you that right now. Ladarius <laughs> Henderson, in my mind, is a torn ACL away from me picking him. Trading <laughs> <laughs> down and then picking him. Trail, I, I, uh, you know, I like Trayvon Walker. All right, yeah, this Aiden Hutchinson ain't bad. Hey, but Walker Trayvon Walker. Well this year. Walker, I, I, did you see Walker? I thought Walker played pretty well this year. But not Aiden Hutchinson. They took no, him over Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson. Hutchinson. You're yeah, right, so. but Colton McKivitz played better versus Aiden Hutchinson than I would have ever thought, especially after what Rashawn Gary did to him. You know what's also annoying about Balky? He calls every coach that he works for coach. You know, when he, when he, when he had Harbaugh, you know, I'll talk Harbaugh. to coach. And we was talking about Doug Peterson the other day. He's like, you did know, you coach, coach really likes him. Said? Did you yeah, he's like, he he's yeah. like, you know, a lot of people feel like we missed on some of these picks, but, you know, there's a developmental plan. And uh, let's just say we didn't go and develop these guys the way they should have been right. developed. Trent is still like, living in some bizarro world where Keith Reeser and uh, Will Redmond is a Hall of Fame cornerback yeah. duo. Yeah, go draft Marcus Lattimore in his torn up knee. All right, Vish, great stuff, man. When are you uh when are you streaming again? Are you do you stream again Tomorrow. before before yeah. uh it's before crazy. I'm loaded up this week. Tomorrow I'll be back with my guy Rohan. We'll do the Vish and Rohan show, which a lot of people come on there and they're like, This is the Spider-Man meme, you know, with me and Rohan going back and forth, <laughs> which is real funny. Um, and then Thursday we're back here, and it'll just be you solo, me, you, Jesse, and we'll be ready to go. I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm coaching baseball, and I think there might be a practice, but I, I think I can probably get out of it. Um, anyway, but we may have to adjust our schedule sure. one for baseball season later this year. Anyway, hey, that does it for us. Thanks to Pig and a Pickle. Thanks to Marin Autoglass. Thanks to Underdog Fantasy. Thanks to all of you guys in the uh, in the chat. Thanks for all the supers. Uh, check Vicious channel out. Uh, if you're not already a subscriber over there, go be a subscriber over there. And I'm back with you um, tomorrow. I'll be, well, tomorrow's Wednesday. So I do the call-in show with Kev tomorrow. I'll do more videos tomorrow. Thursday, I'm in Santa Clara. And then I'm here with Jesse and Vish. Friday, I'll be streaming all day. Al Sacco. Have you ever had Al Sacco in the house? 
I have uh, been on with Al Sacco. Al Sacco is the best. Yeah, I like Al Sacco. He's going to join us. Chase Sr. We got a lot coming up. Steve Young, I believe, is going to stop by uh, either Sunday or Monday. So that's looking forward to that to get Super Bowl week kicked off. And then we are to Vegas. Kev and me in Vegas all week long. Should be great. You're going to teach Kev how to handle the uh, casino floors as well? Or <laughs> he's a pro? Uh, he's old enough. He's old well, enough. What's your casino game? Uh, I like playing a little 21, but you know what? I, 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 I probably won't play too much. I probably won't do too much gambling. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I might do a whole lot of drinking and you could see me pretty trashed if I'm there. So please come up and say hi. But, um, I, 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 I kind of promised my wife that if I go to Vegas for a week that, you know, um, even though I'll be armed with cash, she said, you know, don't, don't gamble if you can help it. And I said, oh, okay, well, whatever. Seems so like a I valid ask from her. Yeah, so I won't I won't be gambling too much. But the channel will be there. We will be producing lots of videos. If you see me walking around Vegas, come say hi. Tell me that you're listening to the Krug Show. We'll do a video. We'll do a shot. We'll do something. Vish, see you Thursday night, bro. See Thanks, you, everybody. Thanks. Peace. Yeah, never met a man I've been scared of. Careful, you won't get exactly what you asked for. Keep